from the pen of Lazarus Boodle, world-renowned singer, entertainer, philanthropist, and kazoo enthusiast. The Royal Rumble, a pro wrestling match invented by renowned gay dude Pat Patterson, where a new guy comes every two minutes. They eventually started doing a version with women, but Pat was retired by then, so no one really objected to it. Anyway, 30 dudes, grappling, struggling, coming, going, until one man stands alone, sweaty, exhausted, his hopes and dreams seemingly fulfilled. But in 2005, something different happened. In 2005, there were two men standing at the end, sweaty and exhausted, but this time very confused, which is just how Pat liked them. Anyway, and in all this sweaty confusion, somebody blew something. And all of this craziness ends with rapist turned billionaire, turned billionaire rapist Vince McMahon in a wheelchair. What a time to be alive. It's the 2005 Royal Rumble. This week, on Nothing Good. Thank you for yet another uh, awe-inspiring intro, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate I, it. I expected the comings and goings. I didn't expect the rapist Vince in a wheelchair. I mean, it's all true. It is currently <laughs> yeah, very, there, very, very, There are very some true. things that are happening. The, the, thing, yes. the things that have been missed since we've last been on the air, ladies and gentlemen. So let's, let's pump the brakes for a second. First of all, yes. Uh, welcome to the season premiere. Was it season three at this season point? Season three. It is season three. Season three of Still Nothing Good. Still here. I uh, hope you guys, everybody listening, had a wonderful holiday, safe, everything went as well as possible, and you got all the gifts and love and accolades and blah, blah, blah you could ever want in the world. Um, gentlemen, how are you guys doing? It's been a hot-ass minute. What's new? I don't know. What is new? Um, so things... I'm fucking asking you. What's new? <laughs> Just a, a lot of itchiness, you know? I didn't have the itchiness really before we went on holiday break. You should get that checked. I have it now, you know? In different places, too. It just kind of turns up where you least expect it. So what you're saying is your lack of recording has created some sort of allergic reaction, almost as if not recording and spending time with your friends in front of the microphone has created some sort of... Like you're genetically uh, against not spending time with us to the point where you're busting out in hives. Yes. I was going to say you weren't with us, so you went somewhere else and got an STD. Mm. There, the microphones looked a little shady, the difference guys. difference between Jeff and I right there. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, they, they told me everything was going to be okay. They, they lied. They, they lied. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, things are, things, are, things are good. Things are good. Um, a lot of happenings in, in the world of things we like to cover, especially this time of year. I do have news. Ooh. I do. Uh, it's not the most exciting news in the world, but something is new since we have not recorded since like fucking October of last That's year. Halloween. It was Halloween. That was our last was episode. A hot ass minute ago. The, the holidays hit us hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dear sweet listeners. 
So about three weeks after that, as you guys know, and I may have covered in the show previously, I don't remember. We, my wife had two cats. One had we had to put down. She had mouth cancer. It was a whole thing last summer. So uh, at the behest of my wife, I went and got a new cat. Uh, we have a new addition to the home. His name is Cooper. He's a little shit. Congratulations. Yes, he's super fucking adorable. It's like a short hair, gray and black tabby with black stripes, like a tiger stripes. It's really, really, really cute cat, but he's a year old. Mm. You know what that means? Mm. He likes to fuck with everything. Mm-hmm. And he is, he is, he going to learn eventually. <laughs> We're still in that going to learn phase. Yeah, yeah, he's still figuring that out. He like hops up on something, looks me dead in the eyes and goes, knocking it right over. This is twice already in the podcast we've talked about pussy, and neither one of them has really been involved actual pussy. Yeah. It'd be like that sometimes. Yeah. 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 You know, Jones, um, living with you as I had all those years, and I was I was reminiscing about that recently, about the, the, the five years that we spent as roommates, a fantastic five years. I'd say so. Herb yeah. Jones is, is the best roommate you could possibly ask for. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I never really uh, pegged you as a cat guy. I love cats. I know. But, you know, we lived with one. It's different. He I, wasn't my cat. I, I, <laughs> and, he was, and he was diabolical. He was not my cat. Oh, he yeah. was a total dick. Yes. And he just tried to fuck up everything. Yep. But, like, going through that experience, not saying that you were a dog guy, but I find it fascinating, fascinating how much of a cat guy you've become. Yeah. Like, I totally get you being the fish guy. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Herb Jones, for those of you that may or may not know, has a whole YouTube channel dedicated to taking care of uh, your fish tanks. This has not been updated in, like, eight years. It, you know what? Neither, but it's there. N- neither has, uh, you know, Bob Ross's uh, painting show. But that doesn't mean people still don't go and watch it. People still comment on some of my videos randomly. Yeah. Like, joy I'm not of, responding. Yeah. The Joy of Painting <laughs> hasn't had any new episodes in, like, 15 years. But that shit has its own channel on like Pluto TV That's or some just, shit. I, yes, it does. I was, I was at a bachelor party. Um, this is the craziest, wildest fucking thing you guys are gonna hear on this show this week. Oh my god, guys, wait till you hear this shit. All right. So uh, I was at a bachelor party, and uh, we were in West Virginia, wild and wonderful. Uh, went to a casino, um, played some games, drank some booze, and uh, when I went to bed that night. Uh, I turned on the TV because I generally like to have the TV on when I go to sleep. And uh, it's a cabin. They don't have cable or anything. It's just, you know, log into your whatever streaming service you want to log into or go find like something on air. You know, just the over the over the air channels. And I came across the Bob Ross channel. And that motherfucker helped me have one of the best night's sleep I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Just happy little paintings, happy little trees, happy little, you know, there's no such thing as uh, um, accidents. Just you know, There's no such thing as mistakes, just happy little accidents. He fucking said that while I was conscious before I passed the fuck out. Um, it sounds like a wild bachelor it party. It was off the chains, guys. It, it sounds it, like it. It was. Wow. Well. Uh... Nothing related whatsoever <laughs> to the itching. Or the cat conversation. Are you having. sure? Maybe yeah. you got it in West Virginia. Uh, surprisingly, I, I would like to say there were a few shady places that like we, there was a strip club. We did not go to it. Because, um, you know, where we were in West Virginia, not saying that it would have been or would not have been, you know, an entertaining establishment. But, I mean, I think I think this place that we were looking at maybe going to um, put the Tennyson 
might have might as well been like a strip club in Miami. Made the Tennyson look like that. Wow. Uh, and for it anybody anybody that knows the Tennyson from the South Hills of Pittsburgh, it's generally discussed as the uh, the strip club where strippers go to die. Basically, um, you you got a lot of new talent. You got a lot of talent that's just kind of it's basically like Bull Durham of strip clubs. You know, there's one Crash Davis down there and a few people that might make it to the bigs, but everybody's just trying to get their cup of coffee in the strip business. Yeah, it's like the meatloaf in the fridge that. It's not quite good enough to throw out, but not too bad that you have to throw it out. Calling the Tennyson meatloaf paints an entire different picture <laughs> of what the Tennyson actually is in a completely different light that I might now not be yeah. able to to un, unthink of. Um, but there are five reviews on this place. Four of them were five stars. One of them was one star. And the one star review basically said, those five star reviews are bullshit. They're all people that work there. <laughs> This is the worst fucking strip club you've ever seen in your life. It went on to tear the women down, which I didn't really think that was really necessary, you know. Um, but um, it was it was just really funny to kind of read the reviews because there's just that one that tore the place down. Um, and I joked about it as like, you know what, strip club atmosphere and everything, one star. Uh, strip club buffet, three stars. <laughs> Uh, so there's a little clubs. good in it. Yeah. There wasn't actually anything about the strip club buffet in there. I just kind of made that up. But like, I, I felt like that would have been pretty fun. It's like, you know, come for the chicken wings. Stay for... Stay for the flabby ass? Uh, flapping something. Well, there's a few things probably flapping. Most there's likely. probably several. Yeah. Depending yeah. on age. I, I, I hope one of the strippers had like the superfluous third nipple. You know? Just two on one side, one on the other. It's the unfortunate part, Dave. You'll never know. I... I'm okay with you it. You had the opportunity. I'm okay with you it. You didn't take it. There's you know, a brass ring <laughs> attached to a nipple, and you didn't take it. You know what? Um, I have all the nipples I need in my life. You know, Are you sure? Waiting for me back home. Um, we're, whether I'm sure or not, that's the answer I'm going to give you. I was going to say, because it only sounds like you have two, in so ca- that's not that many to be in, in, waiting in, for in to come home. Things, sure. case, you need like a set of like eight. Listen, in case... <laughs> <laughs> or are you counting the dog as well? What's, what the fuck? <laughs> Just you, said nipples. you said as if there was the audience, sets of them. The audience wants to know what <laughs> you're talking about. I yeah. would like to know, how many nipples do you have waiting for you at home? I mean, there's probably eight. You know, if I'm doing the math. I've never, like, counted how many nipples Maggie has. It's fucking weird. I wonder, the people who are questioning who Maggie is right now who don't know is the funniest part of that entire Maggie story. is the I, dog. You didn't have to tell You could have just left <laughs> that out first. We could have, just like they don't know who Lazarus Boodle is. One day they, they might. They will eventually. Yeah. They will eventually. Those nipples are waiting for you. Yeah. That's oh, real unfortunate. Oh, they are. They, re- they really are. So just in case it came down to it, I'm, I think I'm going to save it for another episode. I did ask Lazarus Boodle. This actually, this introduction did come from the pen of Lazarus Boodle. It, it, it absolutely did. I didn't make that up. I reached out to Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus is a real person, ladies and gentlemen. You can find Lazarus on socials. He's working on his first, his debut album. Um, and the man is going to make sensual love to your ear holes with a kazoo. That's not made up. That's a real thing. So uh, I reached out to Lazarus. He, he's a fan of the show. He kind of reached out to us while we were on hiatus and everything. And we, we had some conversations. He said, you know uh dave mac if i can call you mac i know guys here call me mac but you know i don't know lazarus that well right um but um he's like you know i, I love the show i, I if you do an uh, a rumble episode uh like the 2005 rumble i got an intro for you so i'm like yeah man send it over maybe i'll read it on the air 
thought it was fantastic. I asked Lazarus if he could provide me with a uh, bio in case, like, you know, just a couple of lines to kind of let the people know. Um, you can't see this, but I'm just going to hold it up to, to Jones and to uh, Jeff <laughs> and just kind of show you this is the couple of lines that Lazarus... <laughs> it's three pages. Uh, it's wait, a, hold on, wait, go back up. I'm wearing glasses. Mac here is several feet from me, but you know what I see on his phone? The first thing that comes as I, he's scrolling past, the first I word see you make, come rag. Yeah, and I don't yeah. know what that has to do with a fucking bio, but I'm interested. <laughs> I'll just, I'm just so. gonna read. I'm just gonna read just this these couple of lines here. Uh, so those cum rags started fucking right there on the floor of that Chicago jazz club, <laughs> and they orgasmed together. <laughs> So much that it became the Chicago Jizz Club. Oh, boy. So much frothy cum, in fact, that it sent a shockwave across the entire universe. A cum beacon had been lit. And I just think of, like, the beacons of Gondor being lit in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> oh except in this case, it's like a geyser of cum, right? Um, a cum beacon. And in that moment, interdimensional aliens answered. That's just... A One, that that is yes. half a paragraph of a three-page bio that that Lazarus Boodle provided me about just you know how how he came about. You know what what does he want his fans to know? Literally and figuratively, or both? Um, I think both. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Yeah. Uh, I got where are you going, buddy? The taxi driver asked. Fuck you, said the alien. There's an entire. There's going to be a whole. Um, you know, Master Fap Theater, I think, just on the origin of, of Lazarus Boodle. So. Somehow, every so often, I hear something that is like a combination of fucking words that I never thought would be together <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a full-on coherent sentence. But somehow, cum-rags fucking and orgasming together, I've never, never in my life. You did not have that on your bingo these card. words together. Yeah. Take a, take a step back, though, for a second, Jones. I'm trying. Just, just think about how lucky those cum rags are, because usually that kind, of temi- that kind of chemistry takes years to develop, and they just had it right there on the floor of that jazz club. I mean, that's that's beautiful thing. Fucking Sometimes one rag comes too early, the other rag comes too late. One says, I'm about to come, her, you know, wait, and the other one says, no, you hurry up. I mean, happens all the time. So welcome to season three. Yeah, <laughs> we have we've been here for fourteen minutes and we are way off the fucking rails yeah. already. So my my absolute favorite thing to do on this podcast <laughs> is to find out in that first segment how far off the rails I can take it before you guys have to find a way to bring it back. Yeah. Pretty goddamn yeah. far. Dude. Yeah. So Pretty somehow that came about because we were talking about what we did on break. You got some sort of disease. You got a cat. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy happened in my house. We made it through the holidays. I hit another milestone birthday. That's right. 42. 42 years um, young. Yeah, yeah. Still acting like a 20-year-old, but... It's the way it should be. That's how it goes. So, but we're really excited to be back and recording. It's been far too long. And like we mentioned, there's a lot of shit that's happened in the world of pop culture, the world of wrestling, the... Even just our world. Ecosystems of things that we love. You know, I want to I wanna throw some something out there about our show... Um, that I'm a little upset about. And this, <laughs> I love when I say that and I see the look on Jones's face like, oh, fuck, where's this going to go? Where is this going? Uh, this is actually going to be kind of like a regular thing. Um, okay. Believe it or not. No, so over the last couple of years and, and right around the end of, of our season two, we were again fortunate enough to be asked to do a panel 
at the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo. Right. At the Monroeville Convention Center. Right. And um, ha- love doing it. It's a blast. It's great it's being able time. to be in front of uh, some some existing fans that come out to see the show and make a few new ones along the way and whatnot. And then just over like a week or two ago, we find out that the Monroeville Convention Center is going to become a Hobby Lobby. This is fucking yep. hilarious, the actually. fuck? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's no bueno had, for us. Yeah, they had all, all their shows booked up like through the end of the year, and they Inclu- basically told them to go fuck themselves. Including the Pittsburgh Gaming yeah. Expo, right? Go find a yeah. new spot. So we're not sure how that's going to play out this this year. but Definitely paying close attention to it, you know? Yeah. Um, because it's not like Pittsburgh has a lot of convention centers. There's kind of two, right? Yep. Yeah. Unless you want to go ahead and like book you know the the conference room at a Holiday Inn up by the airport. No which one wants. Nobody to wants to do that. Um, there's not a there's not a ton of of options. Yeah, for there's that. not any big venue space that can hold. Well, there's the there's the convention center downtown, but that's too big. That's way too big for for some of the things that maybe Steel City Con is growing enough that you could do a part of that room. Well, I think they charge out the ass for that place. That's why. Well, they that's do. That's why they haven't. Well, yeah, they do. In there. Um. You know, when I when I had the chance of going to to meet the Hobbits, um, an, another sentence I didn't know I was going to be saying here today, but yeah. you know, there it is. Yep. Um, I couldn't believe how many people there were there, and they were. I mean, it really. It, it, I I felt like I was in in like a slaughterhouse, being kind of put through until you know I, I got to the end of the line. That's kind of how they're pushing people through to like meet the celebrities yeah. and get the pictures taken and stuff like that. They literally started you inside the building, then you went outside the building, then you went in, and they kind of funneled you through like these corridors with these like, you know, tarps and stuff on the sides, and you literally were like packed in and in a single file line, and then you like showed up in the room. It's like, oh hey, hobbits, take your picture, 20 seconds, go. Mm. Right? So, um it would benefit from a larger space, but you know, here we are. So I hope that situation gets taken care of. I know some people were very surprised in that community that they were just doing this. Mm. Um, I don't think that you can tell a business they can't do what they want to do. You know, the people that own that space are just like, we don't want to fucking deal with this anymore. So they're like, we're going to give most of it to Hobby Lobby. Um, So yeah, I hope it gets worked out and uh, I look forward to, you know, figuring out where we're going to be for the the next uh, expo. So. Yeah, yeah. So let's... uh... Most innocent thing I'm going to say today, Jones. It's very heartfelt. And we feel I it. think you might be right. Yeah. I yeah. think you might be right. Just wait until we get to the uh, Heidenreich match. So, uh, <laughs> speaking of professional wrestling, let's let's talk about the Royal Rumble 2005. Uh, so, you know, I know I'd seen this show before one good time, like the whole way through. But everybody knows why the show is famous. Uh, the infamous double quad blow and blown spot for the end of the Rumble. We'll get there. Yep. Let's start with... What I consider really back in the day when WWE did great intro packages, man, I fucking felt that one. It was a good intro to the show, um, and I, it it just as always the WWE WWF their like pre and post production teams are just fucking second to none. There was like I don't really know if there's yeah, anything there's better like in it. the entertainment yeah. space. Yeah. I, I I mean that's considering all sports. I think the WWE has like they do it better than anybody does without a doubt, uh, which is crazy. It's professional wrestling. And and let me kind of go piggyback off of that. So Can you stop piggybacking me. No. It's a whole new season. Uh, do you want me to piggy front you? Just look me in the eye. It's fair. Okay. Yeah. 
What does piggy fronting entail? You just listen, let, don't want to know. know. I do want to know. That's why I asked. Listen there, man. The listeners want to know. Listen, Jeff, if, that, if you have to ask, buddy, you can't afford it. <laughs> he just winked at me. I did. Um, so what what level of peacock do you guys have? There's more what's, than one? What's your peacock? Uh, what's it look like? I didn't know there was another you, version of it. If you're, well, if you're asking if there were ads... Yes. So mine had ads on the front end, and then there were ads like directly halfway okay. through no the ads show. For me. That was so it. you. So you you pay more than five ninety nine. I don't pay shit. Well, well, fuck. Do you have Comcast? <laughs> if you must know, wait. Do you have Do you have Comcast? No. Well, how do you not pay for? Oh well. All right. Yeah. Okay. You already know how. All right. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is why eagle. No. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. <laughs> is it really though? I mean, they didn't. They didn't. They haven't changed that rule as yet. As long as they, yet. as long as long, no, yet they, they, everybody will at some point when they figure out they can't turn a profit on these fucking streaming services. But that's a whole different conversation to begin with. Um, when I watched this year's Rumble, the twenty twenty four Rumble, um, the version of Peacock that I have is the five ninety nine a month, and I have the ads. They don't show you the video packages. In order oh. to see the video packages, you have to pay for the next service. What? The commercial, for real? for real, the commercial comes when the video package is about oh. to be shown. They're like, for our, you know. I never heard of that. That's bullshit. I'm telling, I mean, you've not noticed? No. So you so you did see the video packages yeah. when you, I did not see it. Yeah. Every time that it went to go for a video package. Now, did you watch it live? Or did you watch it? I watched the Rumble on Monday when it happened on Saturday because we were we were out doing stuff on Saturday. So I didn't watch it when I came home, but when I watched it on Monday, every time that they were about to go to do the video package before the next match, they're like, for our Peacock, like ultra premium subscribers, you'll get to see the video package. And then I had a commercial. So maybe it's because if you watch it live, they are not going to insert those ads in those moments i'm assuming i don't know because if you watched it live you didn't have that issue right i, I didn't see any ads no. so that maybe it's, it's a live it, it's very possible that that, that would be... make the most sense out of an illogical decision yeah. to make that makes the most sense yeah but when i watched it on the playback i did not see any of the video packages ahead of the matches they said for those of you on our blah 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 service you're going to see the video package the rest of you go fuck shows. yourself <laughs> it was yeah, and like, i thought to myself too bad for you and i thought to myself what a way to stick it to the people that, you know, want to watch your programming but don't want to spend $60 a month to do it. You know, which we did back in the past when we would have 10 people come over to the house to watch it. Right. Um, but I just thought that was interesting because Netflix, my version of Netflix, just got downgraded. I have T-Mobile. They, they pay for my Netflix. And uh, price of Netflix went up. T-Mobile's like, you know what? We don't like you that much. We're not going to pay for that. <laughs> so they like, downgraded yeah. my service. And now I have commercials. And there's something about watching something on Netflix. I was watching a movie. It had seven fucking commercials in the movie. It's like I was watching on TBS. It was so annoying. Um, but again, I digress. Um, so I just want to know if you guys experienced that or not. Because no, sorry, I, I did not. definitely, mm-hmm. definitely happened. Now, I didn't necessarily have that problem with this rumble. Um, but I also don't remember the video packages. So maybe I didn't there get weren't a chance too, to see I it. mean, there were a couple, if I recall correctly. There weren't too many. There was the intro. Right. Package. Did, Did see, that? see that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I think there might have been one for the heavyweight title matches. There was for both of the championship matches. And I'm sure there was something for the Rumble. There's always something for the Rumble that was it. I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, I didn't. I didn't see a video package for the Rumble. I, I'm, 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 I, I like there. There always is. 
Yeah. It was something. Well, because I, wa- I, I, I watched it because I wanted to refresh myself before we came to here to, to do this. Because we've been we've been trying to get these episodes recorded for, for uh, a hot minute here recently, everybody. And, and due to various scheduling conflicts, we had to you know work around some things going on in our lives. Um, so I, I went and watched the last two matches again before coming over here and the Rumble. And I do not remember there being a video package between... Maybe the- you were distracted by a drunk JBL saying holla holla. I, I was not distracted by that. Um, I have... I, watching JBL get champagne sprayed in his face and JBL not realizing that when champagne is blasted in your face, it burns the fuck out of your eyes. And then watching him have to try to do what he was supposed to do during that <laughs> promo while blinded by champagne. As they're continuing to Syria, pour it over his as head. As they're just continuing. And you just see his eyes like, oh my fucking God, this is awful. You know, um, that's why I always think, you know, professional baseball players are pussies because when they celebrate after like a, a playoff win, yeah, you heard me. Fucking look at you, Shohei Otani. Um, yeah, you got all the money in the world, but you're not going to fucking get champagne blasting in your face like a real man. Um, they all wear like ski goggles and shit so they don't like hurt their eyes. Like hockey players just sit there like they're putting fucking champagne like eyedroppers in their <laughs> eyes, like they're just immune to it. Oh, um, but anyway, yes, um, yeah. So I was just kind of curious if you guys have that or not with the twenty twenty four rumble because like I didn't see any of the video packages and I felt again because that's one of the best things WWF does WWE whatever the fuck they're called now TKO Sports Holdings fuck you Rock. Um, Sorry, I'm still salty over his promo on, on SmackDown on Friday. He did a good job. He did a great fucking job. That's listen, he, he'll rock his fucking oh fire. I feel, I feel like we should, if we could, if if we can get through this show in a reasonable amount of time, we could save some time on the back end to talk about some shit that's happening uh, in terms of the current storyline. But in order to do that, let's talk. Let's about get away it. from the peacock <laughs> and let's get on uh, the intro match. Is your peacock feathered or is it bald? Uh, my peacock, I shut the fuck up, Dave. Let's get to the fucking match. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about the 2005 18th Annual Royal Rumble live from oh Fresno, God. California from can, the Save Mart Center. Can, can, 12,000 screaming fans. Can, can we appreciate that the WWE will never do a premiere pay-per-view at the fucking Save Mart Center in Fresno, California ever again? Why? Because SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania will never be at a regular arena for 12,000, uh, 13,000 fans ever again. Uh, it's never going to be that way. But okay, things have got to get bad for that to happen. Yeah. Stock price has got to go way down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I was my first thing. That was my, 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 my second note that I have here. Fresno will never see a Royal Rumble again. Just like Pittsburgh will never see a Royal Rumble again. But that's also our fault. <laughs> yeah oh it'll never not be our fault yeah um so uh I, right off the bat as i every time it, it it still to this day bothers me i don't like split commentary teams i think it's fucking i i understand the point you get your raw you got your smackdown but i still don't fucking yeah like i think it. you know at, at this point in time as a wrestling fan the brand split was like they leaned too heavy in on it like it was just annoying the brand wars were big at this point in time they were it was very new for us it was still pretty fresh. Uh, I feel like there should not... That's a conversation for another time, but I still feel like there shouldn't be a brand extension anymore, a brand split anymore. Uh, but the problem is, there's too many damn talent. Where are they going to go? 
I guess, AEW or some other international uh, promotion. So they kind of have to to keep that talent. Right. But man, I'm 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 kind of over having two world heavyweight champions. Ring of Honor, TNA. Well, Ring of Honor is AEW. But yes, Hmm. Uh, TNA. It's 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 interesting because like I, I forgot how heavy they leaned into that until like I actually have several notes in here just about the constant smack talk between the announcers from you know especially during the rumble when you had taz and and you had uh jr jr um but you know like you you just came from you came from the the wcw you know wwf monday night wars and then you had the invasion so there was kind of this built-in thought process within i guess the executives at wwe that you needed to have some type of a conflict between yeah, like shows. Civil war. You needed to have yeah. a civil war to to drive viewership. And I think, and, and from some of the things that I I've been watching recently, I saw a great thing about um Paul Heyman, where he was the head writer of SmackDown. And and internally within the company, that was a very real competition. You know, SmackDown, when Paul Heyman was in charge of it, was very much driven to, you know, kind of stay within the lines of what WWE wanted, but also to kind of push certain talent and certain storylines in different directions because they wanted to, you know, look down on Raw. They wanted to look down on the flagship show. And, you know, the idea of SmackDown being a little brother, they didn't want to be. And there was a lot that kind of went into that. So it was kind of fascinating to kind of revisit that a little bit and see how that how that was just being still being pushed. Well, there was a period, you know, for quite a while where SmackDown under Paul Heyman was a better show than Raw. It was. It was just better wrestling matches, re- good wrestling matches, better stories. You know? Yeah, better storylines, uh, a real lack of Triple H on TV at the time, which was fantastic for those of us who were watching a lot back then. It was too much Hunter. <laughs> Isn't it amazing the that that void, that vacuum when Rock and Stone Cold left. <laughs> it was filled by one that guy. That just that that Hunter Hearst Helmsley Paul Levesque just you know two pecs and two quads as well i look you know when you played like some of those like wwe like ultra stylized video games where the wrestlers look superhuman with their muscles i always picture triple h like that in real life he's basically two pecs and two quads and there's nothing else he's four muscles on stilts (laughs) that's a way to put it Um, his match did not change my mind about that either no but you know what match was fantastic the opening match uh, we're talking Edge versus the Heartbreak Kit Shawn Michaels, uh, and I will tell you something. I don't know about you guys. I've spent so much time with the Rated R Superstar that I forgot that there was a heel Edge yeah. before he was the Rated R yeah. Superstar, and I was here for it. Yeah, the, I was so I'm like, holy fucking shit! It's not Rated R. He's just a, he's, he's just, just a an heel. Unproven he's just heel. an asshole. Yeah, like he's yeah. not there yeah. yet. I was a big fan of early heel edge and i forgot for sure. that there was like because it's always so cool when you look back on it now like big time superstars who have a, an amazing legacy but you look on look back and say okay that's when they were in their formative face years or their formative heel years where they weren't really established yet the rocket wasn't really attached to them yet but the office was behind them you could see that they were giving these given these opportunities edge and and to think about I forgot about this version of him. There's a testament to his career, right? Because he was a fantastic heel then too. He has a face. He has that face where like you can be a baby face for sure. Yeah. But he has the face of a heel. 
he has a face of a bad, but you want to punch him square on the jaw, that smirk that he gets. I, I am so happy that Edge was in that Percy Jackson show playing, because he played Ares. Did you guys see that show at all? No. Three things. What are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? It's on, Di- it's on Disney+. Plus. What is Percy Jackson again? All right. It's, on Disney. it's uh, a show on Disney+. Plus. It's a show on Disney+. Huh. Plus. was a couple of movies in I the like 2010s. The movies, yes. um, it's about the Olympians. That's why like I didn't watch it. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, the first movie was, was I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's it, it's kind of a YA series and similar to like Harry Potter kind I of see. a deal. But they're all like demigods and stuff. And they go to like a demigod school and they, you know, fuck shit up. Um, but in the new show on Disney Plus, they they redid the, the movies were moderately successful. The the first one was okay. The second and third, I think they only did two, right? Did they do a third one? I don't know. Joe's like, I'm not a fucking I don't expert. fucking know. But <laughs> I didn't see any of them. Did not, and I did, didn't see the show either. The, 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 I at least know what it is. Yeah. But they did a show on Disney Plus and Edge is in it. Okay. And he plays Ares, the god of war. Okay. This is recent. Like, it just came out. It just came out in December. It came out right, right after Christmas. And um, I have always felt that Edge had, like, if they ever made a Castlevania Dude, movie. this was coming. I, I've said it to you all the time. <laughs> it's true. It's if you ever work. were going to do a Castlevania movie, if you ever going to have Simon, right? I thought that would be Edge. Like, he looks like he's straight out of, like, a gothic comic book. Kind of like he he could be like in a group of other like-minded people, maybe with a vampire leading them. Yes. A brood, if you will. It's almost as if somebody looked at him 20 years ago and thought the same fucking thing. And <laughs> said, you know what? I got just the faction for yeah. you, bud. But of all the wrestlers that have gone to Hollywood, Edge was always one that I felt should have gone to Hollywood. Hmm. And I'm happy that he's kind of getting that exposure now. Even I think it's maybe a little bit you know past due right um because he you know he has that that look to him and he has that look here also can he act um i haven't watched i didn't watch the show i just kind of saw like a clip that he was in and um i mean i imagine he can if, if he can do the shit he's doing on on you know wwe same thing about rock like rock going to hollywood to me would never be like a a well could he do it or not like the shit that you do in a ring you know, during those years was way harder than anything a fucking actor's could have to do on set for anything. So, you know, if you're going to sit there and make shit up like The Rock did on a night in, night in and night out basis and entertain 13,000 fans every night and make people fucking laugh and feel shit all off the fucking cuff, you know, you can be the fucking Scorpion King. That's nothing. Um, but it's interesting seeing Edge kind of weeding his way through this because there's a lot of great talent in the WWE at this point. Um, There's a lot of established talent. There's a lot of up-and-coming talent. And he's just kind of, you know, climbing the ranks. He's just weeding his way through all of this until, you know, he got his opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fantastic to see. This is a really interesting year for the future of the WWE because you figure from... 1997 until 2003, really, uh, the company was dominated by Steve Austin, The Rock, your Mick Foley's, your Undertaker's, your Hunter Hearst Helmsley's, a little bit of Shawn Michaels there for a couple years. Um, And now, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, that void is now there. 2005, it shows, which is why this was such an important year for the future. 
uh, well, I mean, which we'll get to, but this is, it is no more com- uh, apparent than the opening match, right? A, a grizzled veteran like Shawn Michaels taking on... Granted, at this point, Edge is not a, a, a rookie by any means. He is yeah. absolutely a very seasoned competitor, but in a more of a big-time main event role... You know, they got to have a lot of faith in you to put you in the opening match with Shawn Michaels at the fucking Royal Rumble. Yeah. Uh, and that match, this match did not disappoint. Yeah, and the, the, the storyline there was Shawn Michaels was screwing Edge out of the spotlight. Yeah. Because he wanted to be the next guy. Uh, I thought the match was super well executed, super entertaining. The spear on the outside of the ring, I fucking love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all in all, really solid match. I mean, Shawn Michaels was starting to show his age but he still could fucking compete oh yeah Shawn michaels i mean the only thing that the only part of Shawn michaels that can't compete anymore is his fucking hair beyond that no his hair gave it's up. losing that's the thing that can't up. compete yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit tapped um, like i don't know if you could surgically sew a cowboy hat to your head but i think he would try if he had to do a match <laughs> yeah, shit's glued on just it's can't glued. just can't no you gotta stitch that shit um a great line you can't um, risk for that to fall off in that hairline with the uh, lack thereof pop up i can't remember what mat move it was uh maybe it was a clover leaf or something edge had michael's but he, michael's got to the rope and and lawler says he was trying to tap but the rope just got happened to be in the way yeah fucking love that line i, I just fucking miss jerry lawler's commentary uh but um anyhow uh i, I was feeling the chops in this match i love the the hurricane rana turned to sit down power bomb yeah uh, yeah all the reverses was great fucking fantastic and again edge showed up and had a great match with a guy who, granted, it's hard to have a bad match with, but I think he kept up with Shawn Michaels yep. uh, significantly. Um, and he mocked him. He was playing heel hard. Oh man, he was yeah, mocking yes. him the whole time. And like a great heel, he stole the victory. Yeah, as he should steal mm-hmm. the fucking victory by the skin of his fucking teeth, because theoretically he shouldn't be able to beat Shawn Michaels because it's Shawn fucking Michaels. Um, but yeah, great opener. Um, it, it set the stage for the rest of the show. I think. Yeah, and one thing that's interesting because. This never happens now. Is both of these guys are also in the Rumble? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you ne- you don't see that at all. It's very today. rare now, which was a really cool thing. And I kind of remember noting that to myself, like, oh, is this because I was like, I was like, well, Edge is in the Final Four, and I was like, well, Edge is in the opening match, and I was like, oh, Angles wrestling too. Like half of these guys are in the Rumble. Well, when your 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 roster is not as bloated as it is now, you could you you kind of. You know what I mean? Like you can get away with that now, like yeah. was, but then it's like you needed all the star power yeah, you yeah. could get because this <laughs> yeah, is everyone before, the damn. You yeah. gotta this it. is this is before we got really conditioned to expect crazy surprise entrance. This is before that. Oh, we got crazy surprise entrance, just not in a good way. Well, you know what I mean. Oh, I do. No, all the yeah. entrants were expected in this one. But there was no, I'm, like, I'm, Diesel coming back or I'm, things no, like no, that. No, no, I know that. But what I mean is that, you know, there are there are at least four or five wrestlers that were in this Rumble match that I did not even remember they existed um, in, 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 like, the WWE history. You know, I think, like... Well, I've got some jokes I'm going to save for later. Okay. To that match. Yeah. I don't want to kind of uh, blow my load too quickly of, here. Speaking of funning... Uh, the uh, Flair and Eddie uh, backstage segment was fucking fantastic. Yep. So in this particular Royal Rumble, uh, to get your entrant number, uh, Tori Wilson and Chrissy Hemi were in the back shaking a bingo roller, and the superstars had to come back one at a time or two at a time and get their numbers. And uh, so Flair and Guerrero were the first two. Uh, 
and Eddie stole Flair's <laughs> stole number 30. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, God damn it. I love it, man. And then he stole his wallet, too. Because he did, as it turns out. Lie, like, cheat, and steal. Um, and, it, you know, it's a lot. Like, Eddie died this year. Yeah. Which was, I, I clicked. I'm like, what year is this again? I'm like, mm-hmm. fuck, did Eddie die in 2005? Yes, he fucking did. Because he wrestled in Mania, right? And then that was that was his last was, pay-per-view, I, I think. Bel- possibly. I think so. Yeah, it's... Um, Such a fucking bummer. A lot Too of, soon. A lot of feelings about Chris Benoit, especially at this time, you know, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Um... But uh, yeah, it was classic, classic Eddie. Um, it's kind of interesting that when you had the, you know, the, the, at this stage here, a lot of wrestlers from the, the WCW, ECW invasion, you know, are not, n- not a lot of people really hung around after, after all that, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, I always look at, I know they kind of came in at a different point in time, but I always kind of link Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and, you know, um, you know, uh, Dean Malenko and some of those guys when they came over all kind of like with that, but they're still here, but a lot of the other talent, you know, didn't really stick around, uh, for a couple of years. Very afterwards. few of them really so. resonated with the, and that's a conversation we, we could have, I mean, shit. Um, it it is always kind of been this idea that if Vince didn't create you, he ain't gonna push you that hard. Right. And there's a whole host of WWE talent that came over. Granted, they were not the Goldbergs, they were not the Hogans or the Halls or the Nashes or really the people that we wanted to fucking see. It was like Mark Jindrak and Sean O'Hare, which was cool. <laughs> no shame. Was it though? But it wasn't like the in the small pond that was WCW towards the end, Jindrak and O'Hara were a big deal as a tag team. I like right. them as a, they were badasses as a tag team. But when you go from that stage to the big leagues, effectively, really, uh, they did not stand out. We already had Randy Orton. I didn't need another Randy, two more Randy Ortons, and he was a better Randy Orton than they were. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah um, definitely. There was just like this, this Vince did not, Buff didn't last. Like, think about who even lasted. Uh, Booker T. Mm-hmm. Not many. John Laurinaitis. Well, that's a conversation of the time, too. <sighs> um, he married the Bella's mom. Who else fucking lasted? Do you guys know that shit? Oh, yeah. I didn't fucking know that shit. All that shit like, that all this shit on, happened. She was sick with fucking cancer, by the way. Of course he was. Because he's a shitty person. Because he's a fucking terrible person. Um, but yeah, there's there aren't many like Taz, uh, Stevie Richards hung around for a while, uh, but I feel like he was was he before the invasion? Was he remember. after the invasion? He was before the invasion. Yeah, it was before. He was before. Either way, not many people made it. Yeah. Um, and the ones who did did very well for themselves, thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, except for Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn. Yeah. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of not making it, that's a great segue into the Snitsky and okay, so. Reich promo, which is one of the weirdest oh things. Oh my god! Mm. I I so we got a casket match coming up here: Undertaker versus Heidenreich, and you know Cole talking about Undertaker taking out his bitter rival Heidenreich because you know when you look back on the video packages of the Undertaker's great matches <laughs> over the year. We all remember. Heidenreich was always. We all up remember there. the twenty minutes they dedicated to that Heidenreich feud, yeah. right? Oh my God! So, Heidenreich was a Paul Heyman guy. 
Was he? Yeah, had him in his corner for I, a long time. I I thought he was a 1940s, you know, um, you know, East Berlin guy or West Berlin, whichever one it was. <laughs> a, all we know is he's afraid of caskets. That's that's apparently the thing. So this promo, this backstage backstage segment, is one of the strangest things I've ever watched. Did you feel the tension? I, I thought some they were gonna, sort of tension. I thought they were going to make out. I really so, did. I was waiting for Heidenreich's it. sitting there, just as a shot of his face. And he's like, sh- looks like he's fucking straining. Yeah, he is sweating I thought he was like taking crazy. a shit at first. Because he looked like he was dropping a serious-ass deuce. Uh, but he wasn't. He was molding. I don't know what he was fucking doing, but he was like contemplating caskets. And fucking, who the fuck came up to him? Um, Snitsky. Snitsky, another useless fucking talent. No offense, but fuck. I mean, Jesus Christ. And they were like, in each other's faces. And I, like, I messaged you motherfuckers about this. I'm watching this, and I'm like... This is some weird ass erotic tension going on. If you closed your eyes and just listened to that entire segment, yeah, completely different something thing you're else watching. is going yeah. on. There's a reason they kept the camera above the waist. That's all I'm saying. Like, none of that segment made any sense. Poor fucking Undertaker. God bless him. He's a company man if there ever fucking was one. This motherfucker even had a, ma- a WrestleMania match with fucking, uh, was it Nathan Jones, was it? Nathan, Nathan Jones? Or like WrestleMania 17? With the fucking big show and somebody else, fucking useless shit, fucking useless. Um, what did I? What the fuck did I just watch? That was an entire hot mess. Who produced this shit? Who wrote this shit? Is what I what I wrote down. <laughs> because what in the who who thought, who thought that I, was I, a good idea? Then I remember, in retrospect, hindsight being twenty twenty, who's in charge? And I guarantee you, he fucking loved that shit. Well, you know who I'm talking. Vince about. McMahon. Ah. Oh. Yes. Well, now you know who I'm talking about. I don't want yeah. to just say his name. Because I was getting, I thought you would catch that. Well, yeah. I just didn't know if it was like a Voldemort thing. Like, you, like you can't, because of what he's done, we can't say his name anymore. Well, I mean, fuck, the WWE TV can't. Mm. But we're getting there. Um, yeah, I, I the, the the sexual tension, like, I just wanted to see Heidenreich just kind of wrap his hands into, like, Snitsky's back hair and just, like, fucking pull on it, you know, like, like their pigtails kind of a deal, you know, just kind of let him, let him feel that. Um, I was like, I like you, I like you too. That was then, so weird. And then they just, and I'm just waiting for smooch. He's this like, to kind of happen. He's like, I have a plan. I like plans. They're just breathing heavy at each other. <laughs> this is because that we, we the, were not allowed to see what's going on below like, the waist. What the fuck? God. There was there was some docking going on. If any, like, Jesus if ever, Christ! If ever, just just there's a term for it. Okay. Well, shit. Yeah. Um, I know that now. <laughs> oh God damn it. Anyhow, the match itself, which wasn't even a terrible match. It It just was what it was. For 13 minutes and 20 seconds, we had to endure this. I was so bored during this match. I, I is... Like I, I'm thrilled when the match starts because, like, the Druids come out. I was loving the Druids come out for Undertaker, right? And, you know, guys, you know I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, right? I didn't. Lies. Mm. All lies. Yeah. You know, in the Fellowship of the Ring, like when they're Minds of Moria and Gandalf gets to the point where there are like three doors and he's not sure exactly which door to choose. He's like, I have no memory of this place. And they sit there for a while. That's how I felt about seeing Heidenreich in this match. I have no memory of this man. There's a reason why. Yeah. Heidenreich looks like what happens when a bunch of steroids stand on top of each other's shoulders and wears a trench coat while trying to impersonate a human. <laughs> you guys got a couple minutes for some Heidenreich jokes? Because that's all I did during this We match. don't have a choice. Well, let's go for it. Yeah. You, you don't. Buckle up, bitches. You know when you're sick 
and like you're having trouble sleeping it's like 3 30 in the morning and a bosley commercial comes on for like hair loss and there's that after picture of that dude with your new hairline looks like and he's just swimming in the pool acting like he's this confident haired fair that's heidenreich now <laughs> heidenreich looks like that guy who goes to the gym every day and films himself doing that one really heavy rep and then drops the weights on the ground like loudly and yells like a mad like a madman then points then like posts the video on his socials going mondays am i right <laughs> heidenreich probably smells like a maga hat oh right i don't know what that smells like but probably musty snitsky shows up in this match like halfway through snitsky and heidenreich definitely make love to one another listening to ramstein after they've made their recent order from blue apron i'm convinced of that one heidenreich i'm convinced heidenreich and snitsky clap when the plane lands (laughs) okay then (laughs) heidenreich puts taker in a chokehold in this match it's the worst choke i've ever seen taker sells this like a champ Heidenreich is fucking awful at chokeholds. There's no joke here. <laughs> Actually, no, wait. There is. The only thing Heidenreich can effectively choke is himself when he's masturbating with a stolen Motel 6 hotel towel that he kept after blowing the WWE's hair bleaching budget. <sighs> Heidenreich probably bleaches his taint hair, too, because, you know, character continuity is important. But it's important. <clears throat> Taker wins the casket match, putting Heidenreich into the casket. There's... This is more than a match. It's a metaphor because that's where his career has been ever since. Thank God this match is over. Oh, fuck. No, wait. Because the next match. And I'll just pause there. So that was a minute and 47 (laughs) seconds of Dave going off. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Well played, sir. You're welcome. I put a lot of thought into those joke rants you do i i we appreciate you for it i i i there's some matches i just can't go back to and but you you didn't mention kane um you mean that that's it's gotta be that's that's gotta be kane gotta be i can't i can't say anything bad about kane i can do you know what the what the what the storyline drama was around kane why he was there i don't remember now because there was a storyline where uh lita was pregnant with kane's baby it's not my fault and uh snitsky dropped kane onto lita and apparently caused the miscarriage that's why snitsky was like it's not my fault that was part of his music oh it's not my fault it wasn't my fault I do, have, I do have a note. Yeah, that here. happened. I do have a note in here that just just says it's Kane, but I got such in the Heidenreich mode that I had to just kind of keep going. Yeah. So Heidenreich would be it as I'm watching this, like you know, he doesn't fit now in this this day and age back in 2005. But he would have been a hell of a fucking monster heel to fed to Hogan in like 1986. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see Hogan like fucking tearing the shirt, yeah. about to go toe to toe this giant real yeah real American hero. He would be he, he would be one of the guys behind the Berlin Wall. That's, that's the character they would have put him in. Just a few, just a decade or two too late. <laughs> now he just has really weird sexual tension with Sinsky. Well, and a lot to. of bleached hair. Um, yeah. Like probably his anus too. And you know, hats off to the Undertaker for 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 making Heidenreich look so fucking strong. He was selling for him pretty yeah, well for sure. And I'm like, he did not have to do that, but he was trying. Marching orders: make him look good. And he tried. There's no saving that fucking disaster. Nope. No. Same with fucking Snitsky. Like there are people. Even I remember Heidenreich really well. For some reason, Snitsky is a guy I forget. Cons- I consistently forget exists until I see him and I go, "Who the fuck's that again?" Oh, that. Guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that I one. remember you. Like Snitsky would have worked ten thousand years ago when people were dragging their knuckles on the ground. 
that's a way to put it. That's just but yeah, how, I suppose so. It's yeah. just you know, if this it's just, if you're listening to this, you know, I'm sorry, but you probably understand. But also, if you're listening to this, Nitsky, what the fuck are you doing? I'm sure he's yeah, doing something on. somewhere. Yeah. I think he's working still. Make sure to share that. Pretty confident he's. <laughs> yeah, he code is. put on our socials what you're doing. <laughs> you know, we'll talk about that in the next episode. <laughs> Nicely, by the way, because yeah. we'll really appreciate it if you actually reach out. That'd be right? cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, 13 minutes. I can't get back. Yeah. It was a fine Undertaker match. I say it every time, but man, there's just something magical about his entrance. It's just it is ever fucking green. It'll never not yeah. be like fuck. This it's like all in amazement every time. Every fucking time. And of course, you know, you brought up Kane showing up, and this is pure fucking wrestling logic because a year prior, almost exactly a year fucking prior, Kane was in a, leading up to a feud with his fucking brother that he tried to murder during the Survivor Series the previous fucking year after he buried his ass alive after fighting the fucking chairman of the fucking company. Undertaker comes back from the fucking dead, beats up his fucking brother, and a year later he's fucking saving him in a fucking casket match. Make it make sense! You can't. No one can. It makes no fucking sense. Nope. I don't think the WWE has somebody backstage like trying to make sure the story continuities work they out. They do, from... though. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's people. Funny. That's their actual job. And I'm just like, what like the in Lucasfilm, fuck? where there's somebody's responsibility to sit there and make sure all the fucking storylines kind of play out. They uh, have somebody they, in wrestling that sits backstage. There's like, no way that person remembers back more than two months. I'm like, sorry. Like the, the cast open up and, it, and it's Kane, and I go, wait, this is 2005. Weren't they just trying to kill each other? A year ago? Yep, not too long ago. <sighs> okay, I mean, it's been a year, but fuck that. Anyhow. Years a long time in wrestling. That's like 20 years in wrestling. It is. Um, it's amazing, like, in wrestling, too. Like, you know, from from one year to the next, things can change so much for any type of feud or, you know, guys that were feuding can now be tag team partners. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you think back, like, oh, well, that was you know, six or seven months ago, but it was a really long fucking time, really. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't age. Wrestling doesn't age the same that, like, other forms of entertainment ages. Not even sports. It's completely unique timeline. It exists outside of the space-time <laughs> continuum. That's what they've created. Oh, my God. Um, so we got a backstage segment, with uh, which I really appreciate, because I... Much like I forget uh, there's a point when Edge was an unproven heel. Sometimes I forget that there was a point where John Cena was a fucking over babyface like crazy. Yep. And could do no fucking wrong. Dr. Thugonomics. Until they gave him the heavyweight title. <laughs> and things changed. But before this, fuck, dude, it was money, man. He was so over. Uh, and it was just an entertaining uh, little segment. Um, kind of was what it was, you know. Uh, it was a, a taste of things to come. For the future, literally, he is the future of the WWE. Yeah, for I mean, a if you long think about how this pay per view finishes and then what happens at Mania yep, this for was both his of those year. guys, like yeah. it's big, it's a big shift, and that's you know WrestleMania is his <clears throat> first of many titles, <clears throat> championship titles. So, um, speaking of championships, we're here. Mm. Angle mm. versus the Big Show mm-hmm. versus. Uh, Arguably Dave's favorite wrestler of all time, John Bradshaw Layfield. Mr. Mama Jawama himself, JB the fuck L. Um, where does, sorry, Mac. Where does your hatred for JBL stem from? That's a, man, I know because you, you always you fester about it every time, but then like you won't actually say what happened in your life that triggered you, <laughs> you? <laughs> what triggered you where did to JBL go touch this, you? One, this way the thing the thing that's amazing <laughs> about jbl the thing that's amazing about me and jbl is that when he fucking comes out as a part of the acolyte protection agency the apa i fucking love him when he was just bradshaw i loved him 
But something happened when that hair got fucking short and that cowboy hat went on and he started trading stocks that I just wanted to punch him in his fucking face. I love, and it's the beauty of it because, and I'm not the first person to say this and I will not be the last, but JBL is so good at being a heel. The character is so great. good. It. We are all smart fans, right? We're smart marks, you could say. But sometimes, if you're lucky, listen, listeners, listen the fuck up. If you watch enough wrestling, like we have, and you know it's predetermined, very athletic individuals putting their bodies on the line, night in, night out. Playing a character. 300 plus days a fucking year. Yes. More than any other sport on the planet. More, look, sometimes you get lucky, and there's one in a, one in a million superstar that comes across it makes you feel like it's real again. And I swear to whatever the fuck you believe in, that is who JBL's, JBL is for Dave. Yeah. <laughs> he makes it real for you. And it's so fascinating to me. Like because, if, Dave, you will break shit down. Like, well, this is why this happened. And he has the office isn't backing this guy up. Blah, blah, blah. You should see our fucking group text messages. Dave will go on analytical diatribes yeah. about this shit. Are you asking about JBL? And, and he's he just like, gets, fuck that guy. He becomes a fucking mark. <laughs> it, 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 it triggers me in a way that I can't possibly. He makes you fucking feel anger. He does, And man. that is such a testament to that character for you. Like, he, he clearly, like, I was at a buffet, and I was about to get the last hot dog, and he clearly cut in line and took it from me and <laughs> ate it, and said it was fucking delicious, and then threw the two-thirds of it away because he didn't really want it anymore. Like, that's, <laughs> it's that kind of, it's kind of that rage. Like, he took two bites of the hot dog and said, you know what, I'm done, and just threw it away, and I was just sitting there with an empty plate. Like, what the fuck, man? Um, I, I don't know what it is because, you know, JBL came around, that character came about in a time that I wasn't as active as a, as a viewer of wrestling. And um, just when I saw him and I had the music, like he, I mean, he, he's kind of like the Vince McMahon business guy. Yes. You know, and, and maybe that's part of the reason why, like maybe like subconsciously deep down, I know that because Vince McMahon is a total cunt, that this character JBL is a total cunt. Um, because he is. I have a I have a note in here as this match goes on when when show was chopping JBL that I want to make that my new text tone. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one of the beauty beautiful parts about JBL, uh, the character, is that like a true heel because that and I think that's a part of the reason why you hate him so much. So, uh, from a good portion of your like watching time, like your most intense watching time was during the Attitude Era. And a few years prior and a few, like maybe a year or two afterwards, right? That was your prime yeah. viewing time. Right. And during that time... Till we were roommates. Heels were charismatic in a different way. Heels were kind of funny and snarky. Heels... The DX changed all that. NWO changed all that. Uh, JBL, however, has no redeeming qualities. He's not a good-looking guy. He's not particularly charismatic in a, in a way that is attractive to an audience member. He is arrogant in a way that is not like, ah, I wish I was that arrogant. No. Like The Rock, the character of The Rock has never not been a heel, technically. Yeah. But he's a good looking guy. He's funny. He's funny. JBL's not funny. Like, nothing about that character is like, I can, I can, I can, 
I can resonate with yeah. that. I can, I can. Yeah, there's zero relatable anything. No one wants to be like that guy, right? And that's the beauty of the character. He's a shithead, a rich shithead. You know, maybe it's because in my life I've known a few rich shitheads. That could be it. And I think maybe there's an underlying just, you know, yeah. that is my outlet. It hits of rage. a little close to home. It hits for a little you. close to home in those cases. Um, but I mean, it is it is an uncontrollable, blinding, it's irrational. irrational, blinding hatred. Because as I sit here and you're talking about JBL, <laughs> I want to sit there and tell you that this character carried that title. Yes. And carried, he's probably one of the most underrated, underappreciated heel champions that WWE may have ever had. Agreed. Big time agreed. Um. And in terms of heel champions, probably one of the greatest heel champions ever. The clothesline from hell, still one of the fucking greatest brutal finishing moves you can have. And as I'm saying these words to you, trying to legitimately, as somebody who's talking on a podcast that people are listening to and maybe wanting to give somebody an informed opinion on something, I'm wanting to fucking throw up in my mouth as I'm saying it. Because <laughs> I fucking hate him so goddamn much. He's well, doing his job then. Yeah. So then there's the other participants, Kurt Angle and uh, Big Show. What a fucking great match, though. Uh, um, yeah, 12 minutes, man. It's pretty good. Of, it was um, a good match. Pretty good. Just hard-hitting. Angle was thankfully the great uh, kind of equalizer to speed things up. And God damn it. Look, I, I kind of, it's like a little off topic. But like, in, 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 in his prime, Kurt Angle, I mean like 2002, Kurt Angle, uh, and Braun Breaker with a little more seasoning will be the greatest tag team ever. Yeah, they they would be an actual unbeatable force. Yeah, talk about the world's greatest tag team. That would be them, and we will never get that. But you know what? When we have our our our, our fantasy bookings, just throwing that out Could there. Could be. Do me a favor and just you know, I'm gonna make a little note here that when we get to the Rumble match, I want to bring up Braun Breaker, 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 Breaker. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get to Braun Breaker here in just a minute. There's something about that character. That I had, it just, it's a, it's a, it's a fucking pebble in my shoe, man. Does he remind you of the Steiners? No. Uh, he does in the, in, in a lot of great ways. I hope so. But it, it's, it's, it's a small nitpicking thing, but it's an interesting topic I want to get to when a particular entrant and that's in this rumble comes up, but we'll get to that. Okay. Um, I want to make sure to mention that there is somebody in the audience that has a sign that basically says that it says bullshit and has JBL's face on it. And I want to send that fucker a Christmas card. I want to add on my list. <laughs> Last little thing I want to add. Uh, JBL, he effectively steals this victory. But yep. can I just acknowledge, like, I know we watch these wrestlers on TV, and sometimes we get lucky we might be able to meet one in real life and get an autograph or something. Like, the only wrestler I've ever really met in my life was Bobby Lashley. WWE wrestler was Bobby Lashley. And... That motherfucker is far larger human being than you think he's he massive. is. Yeah. When you stand right in front of him and you get somebody to take a picture, and he's like seven of you in width. Yeah. Um. With that being said, JBL is a fucking huge person. He's not a small person. No. He's not even. He's not even like a big guy. He's a. He's a super heavyweight. He's a big, tall dude, and the fucking big show was throwing him around like a fucking child. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself sometimes, like, I know he's helping him. He, ideally, he's not sandbagging him. But the amount of strength that Paul White has to have yeah. <laughs> yeah. to just yeah, throw him like that well, is impressive. Just, I thought I thought Show 
was the, the the man carrying this match. I thought he was extremely good in this match. Um, I I thought this was the best match of the night up to this point, obviously. Um, even though that the Edge Shawn Michaels match was really good, I just like the pacing of this match. It yeah. just had a little bit of a faster pace. Across. It was solid all the way through. Um, you know, I, I I thought it's always interesting. You know, when um, like during the match, you know, there's a low blow on on show. And I've always felt that if somebody's going to hit show with a low blow, like I feel like it should hurt their hand. Like I feel like on certain wrestlers that are that large, that like if you try to like hit them in the balls, it should be like punching like a granite surface. It's just you don't win that match. Like and I feel like Andre the Giant, same thing. Like he should have balls the size of Jeff's head and no way should you speed bag that, right? Right. Um, I feel like that that's one of those things that like should be a, a like a hidden protective move with some guys. He goes for the low blow. Oh, it's show he hurt his hand, you know. And show just standing there like fucking ha ha ha, you know. Surprise. Surprise, they're made of steel. <laughs> they're fucking made of they're actually coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, solid match, enjoyable. Thankfully it didn't go terribly long and it's it's so much it's interesting, like I think some of I know I forget sometimes that Kurt Angle like left like within a year or two of this. Uh, he went to TNA and yep. tried to legitimize them and did a very good job of legitimizing TNA. He did, um, and it's so odd like how much changed. Like we didn't get and Kurt, and I think some of Kurt's best matches were in TNA, and it fucking sucks that they didn't happen in the WWE because I don't watch TNA. I just can't. I can't. A lot of people don't. I could. I tried. It was like watching WCW 2.0, and I'm not all about that life. Um, yeah, it's 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 strange because you know some of the matches he had with AJ Styles during that time were just. I mean, pardon the pun here, but fucking phenomenal. Right. And uh, I mean, some of the greatest matches you're gonna have. Um, and there were some guys that you know because Angle was there, they went there and they had some very legitimate things going on. But again, they tried to WCW themselves, and they kind of did. Um, you're talking about how large a human JBL is and like watching show kind of throw him around. Um, who's the largest human you've ever seen in person? I have no idea. So you remember we had penguin tickets at Mellon arena yeah. and like James Harrison was there. James Harrison's the biggest human I've ever seen. He's, he was a linebacker for people who maybe don't pay attention to football or anything. He was a linebacker for the Steelers. He was literally two humans standing next to each other. <laughs> he was that fucking big. And you know, when he did his role, at least in season one of Heels, you know, he looked the part of a professional wrestler. Um, but even, like, comparatively to some of these guys, like you said, Lashley. I mean, that that dude, a lot of these guys. I mean, fucking Braun Brecker is a massively huge human being. I don't even know how you get that big, you know? but He's fucking uh, fast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the chemistry and the biology in that man does not make sense. But, you know... We'll we'll talk about in a little bit, but a solid a solid match all the way around. I really I really liked the interplay because these three wrestlers all have something different that they bring to the table. You know, they're all different types of wrestlers, and it worked very well in this match. Agreed. Which brings us to the next championship, World Heavyweight Championship match between Triple H and a very young babyface Randy Orton, freshly kicked out of the group on the outside looking in a lot of backstage hoopla around you know only only like seven percent of his body covered in (laughs) tattoos at this stage yeah he looked different right yeah you know had had a full head of hair 
Uh, you could <laughs> see his arms. Yeah. That was a hell of a thing, right? I remember... I mean, I was such a fan of of Randy Orton. I still am. Uh, I've never not been. Um, and it's so interesting. I definitely did not... And I was one of those people back then who really was pushing him to be like the white meat babyface and to really stay there. Uh, but, you know, thankfully, you know, they didn't listen to fans like me because him turning heel was one of the best things. Heel, again, was one of the best decisions they made for his career. Because, uh, I mean, even then, like, in 2005, I mean, he'd been a babyface for several months. Uh, and several, several months. And unfortunately, it just was not working. Because Randall, Randall Keith Orton uh, does not have a sympathetic face. He doesn't carry himself in such a way yeah. that you should feel bad for it's him. It's not the same when he's not the Viper. Like, he's just, he ha- much like The Ed, legend killer. He yeah. has that face where, like, you're kind of okay with bad things happening to him. Because it looks <laughs> like he probably did something where he deserves it. Um, I don't know if there's a greater natural-born heel than Randy Orton. Hmm. And the only reason people fucking cheer him now is because he's been around so long that he's just evergreen now. You know what I mean? He's reached that point yeah. where he's just a good... He, people just respect him too much. Well, because he's he's too good. It's not even and he's, he's done it for so long, so consistently. That's what so I'm saying. He's evergreen now. Yeah. Like, he's... It's weird... Um, that we are now in a position where we've watched enough wrestling where, I mean, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that was not like a thing that happened. Very few wrestlers reached that point. Yeah. Like, very, even, even the, the ones who should much have, shorter. didn't. Like, Andre the Giant never was able to get to that position he should have been able to. He died before he could. And he died young. He was in his 40s. Like, fuck, that's scary. But he had a lot of physical ailments. But point is, like, Back in the the old days, back in the 70s, 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even the 90s, for the most part, there was somewhere else you could go. There's another promotion you can go to. People didn't stick around that long. Yeah. Even Hulk Hogan didn't stick around that long, right? Um, we are now at a point where the WWE is like the biggest show in town, where they take better care of their talent physically, where guaranteed money changed everything everything downside guarantees changed everything um where people can just stick around for 20 years again like we we didn't grow up with that like not really you know like it wasn't a constant now guys like orton has been there for so fucking long he's basically like he is the wwe so he gets a pop because he is he's now undertaker he's yeah he's yeah he's been around for so long that there are people who just who are like in their twenties and been watching him their entire life, yeah, and yeah. know nothing other than this dude, Randy Orton, is the bad baddest man, you know, like yeah. And for our listeners who don't watch current wrestling, Orton's back. Uh, yeah, he is kind of back. A lot has happened. He looks fucking swollen too. Man. <laughs> he came like, back he, during he, our break. He looks. Yeah. He 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 looks fit. A, a number of he people came big. back during yeah. our break. And, yeah, you know. Um, and and you know you can say you can say there's undertaker is on a level all to himself because it's not just you know it's not just mark calloway it's also the the character of the undertaker is complete there's nothing that can touch it um randy orton's character isn't quite at that mythological tier that undertaker is but in terms of being the company guy in terms of being loyal to the company, 
Um, I don't know if he's a locker room leader at this point or not. I would assume that if he talks that you're going to listen. Right. Um, they put him with young guys to to help them out. I mean, he basically made Riddle something. Yeah. And I yeah. fucking hated that guy. You did. I did. Um, again, probably just because he didn't wear he didn't wear boots or shoes it to the ring. Still irritates me. That's gross, That's man. That Prince Iacish. There's can't some get it. there's some shit in that ring, man. These guys spit, they sweat, they bleed. You know, he's just willy nilly with his toes. And he's just like you know, I I don't want to walk in grass barefoot. It's fucking weird to me. And that guy's doing it anyway. Um, but you know, he, he can work with younger talent. He can help bring guys along, you know, he can mentor guys. He's a voice in that locker room that everybody's going to listen to. Um, and he's never wanted to go anywhere. I think that's another great thing about it is that, you know, fortunately it worked out that he never wanted to go anywhere. They always wanted to pay him what he was worth. Like there didn't be any of those types of distractions that some of these other guys have. And he was been able to handle the schedule you know, as well. Um, so fucking all the props to, to Randy Orton. And again, probably the best finisher maybe of, in, in, in all of wrestling. Just a finisher that can come out of nowhere. But in 2005, he, it didn't. No. It was it was always telegraphed. Yeah. Like you knew it was coming. Whereas now, you'll just get an RKO out of nowhere. That's, all, that's, that's the Viper persona. The Viper strikes. Right, yes. You know? So... Yeah. Even watching that evolve has been has been fantastic. But I, I I'm a big Randy Orton fan. And we have the game uh, in his in his full on evolution mode. And um and I I know at least one other time on this show I've said it, and I'll I feel like it's it's worth mentioning again. Just my even though back in that stage I did not appreciate Triple H uh, the way I do kind of now. Um, I've always appreciated his commitment to the character of Hunter Hearst Helmsley in that the only thing that mattered to him was the title. That was the only thing. I remember the promos we say I'd pedigree my own mother to, if it meant getting a shot of the fucking title. <laughs> but like, and it's, that is to me, that's what, a, that's what a professional wrestler, if you're not, like Steve Austin said, if you're not getting into it to be the main event, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Right? And, and that, that statement embodies Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I remember uh, it's little things because I may not appreciate his politicking over the years from what I've read, not that I was there, but I always appreciate his commitment to the character. I remember there was a it was Monday Night Raw, Cena's heavyweight champion for like the fifth time by this point. You know, it was him, Cena, maybe Michaels, maybe CM Punk. There's a bunch of faces in the ring. And I think it was during his DX days with Sean again. And they're doing like a big group promo, and Cena's got the title, and he's talking. And there's just a shot of the game just staring him down, looking directly at the belt. And I know this, he did the obviously on purpose. And the um, Michael Cole made mention of it, like, oh, the game, like staring down that title around Cena's waist. But that right there is that's Triple H. He has no other reason to yeah, exist. He's got no, no loyalties to anything except for gold. Just the gold because yeah. he needs it. It defines him, defines the character. And I've always appreciated that gimmick. Like, that is him. Well, and, and I think that that kind of lends a little bit to what was going on at that time as well. You know, at that point in time, you had, you know, Undertaker went back to the to the Undertaker, right? You know, we, we, we went through the Dead Man era. Um but your 
your main guys, the guys that were carrying the company, the guys that brought WWE to heights unbeknownst to itself, were gone. Yes. You know, um, Rock is aspiring in Hollywood. And no matter what Triple H will ever do in his career, he would never be and achieve the heights of Undertaker. He's never going to achieve the popularity of Stone Cold. He had to be the company guy. Like, there was a lot, I think, of life imitating art in this point where, you know, yeah, that character always wanted the gold. But I think in order to kind of legitimize where Hunter was at this stage of, you know, his career, that was also needed. He needed to legitimize because he was never going to be Rock. He was never going to, no matter how often he wanted to play in that pool, he was never going to be the guy. Yeah, he'd always would, be the number two. He'd always be number yeah, two or number three. So I think there's a lot of life imitating art here with that character, with, with wanting the gold, with being the backstage guy. And of course, look at where it got him. <laughs> it I mean, worked. It, it did. I don't know if that was ever really the intent, but it became what it was. So I, I think it's kind of fascinating seeing that character at this stage, kind of looking back on it now and seeing where he is. That um, that was his way of legitimizing his place in all this. I think. Well said. I agree, and I uh, I think that it it worked out pretty good for him. Granted, now the Rock's his boss, which is funny in itself. Isn't it funny that the two guys running wrestling now in the WWE are? Well, I mean, it's it, Rock will have some input, but it's 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 Triple H's show. Yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, I know, I actually, I know neither of you guys read Bret Hart's biography, but a fucking amazing book. But uh, he wrote in that time when Rocky first came up, Bret was there, Sean's there, Hunter's there, we're talking 96, 97. And he writes about how apparently Sean and Hunter were politicking, uh, like with Vince and different producers, because they didn't like Dwayne Johnson at all. Obviously, I'm sure it was all fucking jealousy because look at the fucking guy. Yeah. I mean, like, you're going to be jealous of a guy like that who's just coming in like a, with a rocket you, ship attached to him. You have to tear him down because that's the only way you're going to pull yourself up. Right. So they were trying to, I guess, shit talk him and dress him down and things like that. Sean has, you know, talked shit on him in front of the, uh, you know. And Brett was very much like, you know, took him under his wing a little bit and and then. Rock's first book talks about how Brett and Owen took him under his wing and was like really instrumental in learning the ropes and the road and just traveling. The irony of that is now The Rock is Triple H's boss. That shit is fantastic. That after all these years, it didn't work. It just didn't (laughs) fucking work. He thought he was gone. He fucking came right back. And he can he can tell you what the fuck to do, kind of now. He kind of he kind of can, and he will, and he probably already has. Um. But uh, this match was fine. Uh, this was very much, I, th- I felt, a throwback match. Like, kind of like an older, like, it had a lot of 80s vibes, early 90s vibes, where, you know, because Triple H just worked the fucking knee, man. And that's what he does, because yeah. he's a fan of wrestling. I, that's my point, though, is like, when you look at this match in the vacuum of this pay-per-view, it feels different. It it's felt paced, different than the other matches, for sure. different. You know, it felt like it felt like if Bret Hart was in the ring instead of, Randy Orton, it would make sense. It'd probably be better because he probably would have sold it better. Well, yeah. Um, and I didn't see enough limping for for. That's Randy a lost Orton, art these days. Uh, in that case, I mean, he was selling, getting the shit beat out of him. I give him credit. I'm like, yeah, he's he's really he's really, <laughs> he's really selling. It. Hunter, he's, he's really selling it. Concussed the shit out of him. 
making him easy pickings. It was a weird finish. Did he? Was that a real concussion, or was he selling that? Because no. I I have a note here. He, he was out then, shortly after this pay per view, and then when he came back, he was healed. You know, there's there's a shot here in this match. You know, two thirds way through, they're outside the ring. Triple H is about to get the sledgehammer out from underneath. And, you know, Orton's a little bloody. He's got a little bit of blood in his mouth and his mouth's kind of open a little bit. And I said, he really looks like a concussed beaver receiving an enema. What? I'm, when we're done here, I'll go ahead and pull that up and pause it. And you'll see exactly what I mean. You know, a, a beaver, though. He looks like he look in the shot. It looked like he had only two fucking teeth in his mouth. Like the other 23 disappeared. It was just like he looked like he was buck teeth. And he's just going to say. <laughs> like sitting there, I wish you guys could have saw the face I made right now. Jeff laughed. Herb's just as usual. I don't know how to take Dave right now. So hard. Judging, but um, it it you know it it definitely looked like he was a little bit on Dream Street there. Oh, he did know. a good job. Um, and I want to give a special shout out here to Jr. in this match. Oh, JR. You know, again, there's just so many elements of this match that were were different than the rest of the pay per view. I had to make a little note here, and I, I transcribed it word for word. Um. You know, this is, again, right around that time. Orton's laying on the ground. He's got Triple H, puts him into the ring post. You know, Triple H is holding his face because his face went into the ring post. And, you know, um, then JR just starts kind of going off. And he's like, oh, that was instinctive. I don't think Orton had that, uh, had a thought. Mighty Orton's in another stratosphere. The referee is still down. Triple H, he's holding his face. He might have broken his nose. with, the, And he's got the sledgehammer in the ring. What's he doing with the sledgehammer in the ring? And the world title's on the line. Like, this, this point in the match just kind of slows down where Orton's on the outside. Triple H is stumbling. And JR just takes this moment to just fucking set the stage for the last bit of this match. And it's just so beautifully well done. Um, I miss that. So, uh, I'm glad you said that. So I, I do, on occasion, listen to Jim Ross's uh, podcast, which is really interesting, because he talks about a lot of stuff from, like, in the 70s, 80s. He's been around for fucking, like, 50 time. years. Long almost. time. God bless him. Uh, we need JR more in the world. Uh, he said something uh, about, because he is the greatest announcer of all time, uh, and it's not even an argument. There's no argument to be made, realistically. Um, he was asked about it way back in the beginning episodes. And he said, you know, one of the most important things as, as, as an announcer you could do, and it all made sense once he said it, it's sometimes not about just saying things. Yeah, that's your job. But it's, you have to tell the story to the audience in sound bites. And when he said that, it clicked, because that's what he does. Mm -hmm. What do we think about? Good God Almighty. That man, like, God one, is my witness. Yeah. That man's broken in half, and everybody Just remembers it. One sentence it. at a time. Stomping a mud hole in his ass and walk it dry. Stuck like a, like a, uh, like a, he's bleeding like a stuck pig, stuck pig, or he's beaten like a government mule. Like, sound bites. That's what JR does. He's mastered that ability. So every time you we watch these shows, and like, fuck, man, JR, sound bites. And you remember those bits and pieces. Well, it's kind of like when you're reading a novel. You're reading a piece of fiction, and there's that paragraph in the story where there's no dialogue. The author is just setting the scene. And I think that's something that's a lost art, especially with today's announcers. I mean, I, I like the guys that the WWE has. I mean, I, I, I think now that Vince is out of Cole's ear, I think Cole's been much better. Yes, he has. Um, I'm a big Pat McAfee fan. 
Uh, Corey Graves, I think, does a great job. Um, you know, it's great. Um, oh, the fucking British guy, Wade remember. Barrett. Wade Barrett, thank you. I think Wade does a great job with everything too. Like they just they just have a great collection of guys that are that are contributing to it, but none of them have that narrator's voice necessarily that I think they need. Because again, as we've always said, part of the reason why we love the Attitude Era and everything else is because Jr. and King told it to us. And those guys just knew how to not just tell us what was happening, but they contributed to the story in a very unique way that made all of that better. There are there are absolutely it, there are matches that have happened. I couldn't tell you what happened, but I remember shit that Jr. Yeah. said in that yeah. match. It's the damnedest <laughs> thing, and it resonates in my brain, and I don't forget it because. And again, I would hope that one day we could do an episode on Jim Ross. Just like, I, I, it wouldn't be a full episode, but just his ability to tell you how to feel <laughs> without telling you explicitly how to feel, right? Just little things, right? It, it, it's a skill and it, it's an ability. And he, a lot of people don't realize how many really smart people he worked under when he was 22 years old for fucking decades to become how good he is. But yes, uh, Jim Ross is the fucking man. And the wrestling world needs more of him and not an AEW. God damn it. It is what it is. It is. Listen, they're paying him. I, I, yeah. He's in the 70s. I respect it. Um, but yeah, good match. Weird finish. Uh, it, it wasn't anything special necessarily, but it was a mm-hmm. fine championship match, uh, and which allows me to transition right over to how much of a bigot is JBL, his character? Oh, so you Holy the, fuck. You mean the walking sack of testicles backstage? Holy shit, man. That whole fucking segment, I'm like, this motherfucker. Yeah, talking to Teddy just, Long like this. Just, I was getting kind of yeah, hot about it. He's just it. saying racist, <laughs> ignorant shit like, to just, Teddy Long. Like, what? Fucking heel, man. God damn that. He's doing, doing a good job. Doing just, a fucking good job. Just, again, blinded by rage. He's a fucking well, he heel. Was, Blinded by champagne in his eyes. Which I, 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 I think <laughs> I... was physically blinded. <laughs> I honestly think I tuned out a little bit about what was actually going on in that segment because I was taking such joy in watching his eyes burn. Well, he was saying some shit. Yeah. That you get cut for. Yeah. Teddy Long was trying to tell him that... Oh, the, I know. At the next show, he was going to have to face Big Show without outside interference from his guys. In, in, and where was that next show? In Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's right. It's ironic there was no tag team player. It was just a fucking one <laughs> match. God damn Barbed wire steel, Barbed wire steel cage, cage match. Yes. Oh my god. Um, so here we are. This is something. The Royal Rumble. This is something. Um, one of sports' greatest spectacles, they say. A... But this match was what about 50 51 minutes i think total Something 51 like 27 yep. was the running time i felt like it was a a a tight royal rumble i'm used to the rumble matches now lasting over 60 minutes yeah um it also seemed like at the beginning like it, it was like sort of a slow build and then in the middle of the match it seemed like those the new guys were coming out way f- like that timer was going way faster I think you, yeah yeah I don't know about you. Speaking of people you mentioned earlier, people you forget existed, I constantly am reminded that Daniel Pewter was a person <laughs> who won tough, tough enough. He won tough enough. And it didn't matter. 
he won tough enough, and apparently in one of his first... I, so I kind of did a little research on this because this I shit is infamous. no fucking clue who this guy was. Uh, apparently he like he almost fucking killed Kurt Angle in the match. Which you don't want to do. No. No. So what he he had a match where... Let me see if I can kind of pull this up here because it was, it was really interesting to kind of read it. Like, I think it was um, on the Tough Enough show. Uh, no, it was an episode of SmackDown taped in St. Louis. It was an unscripted segment of Tough Enough, but I think it was in, well... It was tough enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he challenged the finalists through a competition. Um, took, uh, so Chris uh, Naraki won the competition. Prize of a shoot match against Angle. Angle quickly took Naraki down. Guillotine choke. Naraki managed to make it to the ropes. Blah, blah, blah. Pewter then accepted a challenge against Angle. Uh, put him in a Camaro lock. Yeah. A real one. Yeah. Yep. And... Yep. Yep. Um, that was not good. It was not the best decision to make. It was not the best decision to make. Uh, because apparently, um, so, you know, he has him in the Chimera lock. Angle puts Pewter on his back. Angle's arm locked in the Chimera. Try to attempt the pin. One of the two referees in the ring, Jim Cordes, quickly counted to three to end the bout. Because, like, apparently it was pretty close that he was going to fucking, like, what, rip. He was going to fucking break his shit. Break his shit. Yep. Um, now, Kurt Angle, as we all know, is a real fucking fighter. So is Daniel Pewter. So is Daniel Pewter. And not realizing that you're not supposed to do it for real. And, um, that was a hell of a thing. Yeah. And I think uh, when Pewter made his debut in this Rumble match, just watching him get the shit chopped out of him. Oh, that was all... That was fantastic. When Hardcore Holly... (laughs) Oh, God, I love... Listen, who, who is... Uh, by all accounts, a piece of shit, according to people, and who does not like rookies normally under m- normal circumstances. Commentators are very clear. Yes, he does not like rookies. I've read some stories about what he does to people and how he treats new people. You want to see a bunch of vets take liberties with somebody on national television in front of millions? Oh, uh, those three worldwide? definitely did. They roughed his bitch ass up. To no one's to no end. Every mm-hmm. chop, every slap, every chop. Jesus Christ! Oh, they were was... trying to remove skin from this man. Yes, they were sending him a clear fucking message. We yeah. don't want you here. Yeah. That's literally what it was. Yeah. We don't want you. Shut here. your mouth. Well, yeah. I mean, he he made Angle look bad. Yep, you don't in, do that in that segment. And Angle being one of the top guys, um, it just it rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way. He had a so he won the million dollar prize with Tough Enough. I didn't realize this. It was a $1 million prize, but it was four-year contract at $250,000 a year. So you didn't get that hundred, you didn't get that million up front. No. And the way they kind of had it structured, too, is that they could terminate the contract after the first year. So you're told you're going to win a million. You're only going to get $250,000. and you then they're going to earn it. Yeah. And then they're going to knock asshole. your ass out. Right? Yeah, mistakes were made, Daniel. Oof. Mistakes were made. Hmm. Um yeah, they definitely sent a, a clear message and, and, and to transition away from fucking Daniel Pewter because no one wants to fucking talk about him anyhow. Uh, yet again, and I apologize to the audience because I say this at least once every few months. If I could have, if Shelton Benjamin could have just had serviceable promo skills, just that's all he needed is to cut a fucking half decent promo. Half decent. I don't mean fucking top of the line shit here. I just mean like get up there, get out there. Get the crowd up, and we're good to go. Yeah, his he had ass would have a run at the main event at least once. He had the look. 
Yeah, the skill. And more than the fucking skill. Jesus yeah. Christ, that dude was so fucking money. Yeah. yeah, you're getting to a point here with wrestling where the athleticism of certain guys takes over. And, you know, the WWE creating a machine, if you will, of trying to take some of these phenomenal athletes and translate them into the wrestling world. You know that wrestling is not about athleticism necessarily. There's uh, a lot of athleticism that goes into it, but you don't have to be a gifted athlete necessarily to be a professional wrestler. That's not saying that these guys aren't gifted athletes. It's nothing, not that at all. Um, Cause you know, I've, I've done a match and after I think three minutes, I wanted to fucking die. I wanted to uh, vomit all over myself. I, I, I'm like, knock me out of the ring. Let me lay there for 10 minutes because I can't breathe. Um, it is fucking impossible. I think I heard something recently on a on a podcast or on an interview. I think it was Seth Rollins was saying that part of the reason why Ronda Rousey didn't make it in WWE is because she didn't have the endurance. You know, she didn't have the built up stamina yeah. to be able to do the schedule that you necessarily need to. So, you know, you you see these guys that are gifted athletes that can do things that nobody else has done. You want to push what wrestling can be, so you want to get these guys in, but they don't have the mic skills. They don't have that charisma necessarily because I'm a, I was always a big fan of John Morrison, but same situation. The guy had the look, fuck could do things in the ring. Nobody else could do. However, you put a microphone in front of that guy's face it's and done. it's done. Yeah. It was like serviceable at best with him, which yeah. is why he was able to at least stick around and have the East WWE title. Well, they would, they would put him, they would try to put him with guys that could talk to take the, take that onus off of him. Or hopefully you think like maybe he would pick some of it up. But it just that just goes to show you, it's not about having the ability to do one thing. You have to have the ability to do all of it. Now right? imagine if Shelton Benjamin didn't have serviceable promo skills, but had fucking main event level ser- like promo skills. It's a different story. I, I, yeah. I, we're talking main event WrestleMania. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it, was, it was like right, it was fucking right It was there. so close. It was within reach. And every time I watch his matches, I go, this fucking dude's way too good for his own good. Way he too fu- goddamn good. He fucking good. did like a standing broad jump up to the top of the fucking on top of the ring post because he could yeah yeah why not and you know it, it's it's interesting uh like just jumped and just stood up without using his fucking hands because that's what you do when you're fucking shelton Benjamin. like we're excited when the undertaker just sits up and i'm watching this match and he just fucking runs and just jumps he's up spider-man's the, that shit. spider-man's that shit and he's just standing there and i'm like the fuck did this guy not the correct uh, response is how dare you you know <laughs> defy gravity in such a manner yeah, that's not like, natural like when we used to when we used to have my favorite wwe wrestlemania match when the money in the bank was there where it should still be Having Shelton in those matches was always great because you knew there, just like with Kofi when he's in the Rumble now and everything, you know there's there's going to be a spot that he's going to do something that's fucking crazy and and can potentially seal the show. Right. So. So um, I want to I, I I made it a point to write this down because I thought it was really cool when I it kind of clicked in my head, and I feel like you guys will appreciate this. So this Rumble was really interesting uh, for a number of reasons, but. If you stop for a second and and look at the rumble that just passed in 2024, yep. and the and the participants, the majority, like the 90% of the participants, versus this rumble that had like the dichotomy between these two rosters, the difference, and specifically like we got Booker T, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Shawn Michaels, just to name a few. 
right? Just to name a few yep. of the individuals who understood kind of what it meant to be hungry. I because a lot. I mean, a lot of old timers accuse these new kids of not being hungry enough. They're being they're very complacent. You know, Undertaker, Kane, all these different fucking people, Triple H, all these wrestlers had to sleep in their car, had to travel across the country for training. It was a grind. Had to eat hot dogs and potatoes for dinner every God, night. I fucking love that Stone Cold story. It's the fucking truth, the right? The potatoes and a can of tuna. That's what That's you all eat. he could afford. Because it was uh it was it was common, especially back like in the smaller territories back in the seventies and eighties, like you got paid literally in food. You got hot dogs from the concession stand and a fucking Coke. That's your pay. The house wasn't big enough. Yeah. It's like you either get 10 bucks or food. Well, I guess I'll choose the food. Yeah. You got to eat, right? But still maintain your fucking physique. All this shit. Like, all these guys. It's a whole culture shift now. All these people. It's like it's, it's gone now. There, there's, like, really no one left now in one. the WWE who on active main event full-time roster that knows what it's like to want to be paid dependent on the house that is it right there yeah having a what was the what was the contract in netflix five billion or is it ten billion five billion five billion dollars yeah when you're signing a five billion dollar television deal shit changes a little bit well, yeah I mean, fuck, not a doubt i imagine because like when when you when you're dependent on the house your performance matters week to week Right, you can be hungry. You can be jealous of the guy next to you. I want that spot. Austin understood that because he experienced it. All these other guys I mentioned experienced it. They understood the need and the want. The wrestlers now, and and it's a good thing in a way, and but it's a bad thing. Like it's good that they're all being paid a very healthy living wage, uh, but at the same time, they'll never really know truly what it means to want it. And have to really claw for it because yeah. it's a very different environment now, and I just think that's so fascinating. Uh, yeah, even if you watch, you know, this latest Rumble compared to this one that we're talking about today, just how guys come to the ring. Like today, everybody just takes their time. They'll get there when they get there. They eye things up from outside the ring. Like in this particular Rumble. Half these guys just went full bore. Yeah. And like ran from the entry ramp all the way into the ring and just started going. Yeah. Now, in their defense, it was a much shorter entrance ramp. It's not so fair. Now, now, now they have to run 300 yards. Now, when you got the ring in like dead center field at uh, quite a sprint at Tropicana Field in Tampa, you know, that's uh, you, you could try sprinting that. And then after about 10 seconds, you're done and you still have half the way to go. So. Um, you know, slightly, slightly different with the venue there, yeah. but, um, so we mentioned Shelton Benjamin. So he came in as entrant number nine. Yeah. Uh, if anyone was playing the Royal Rumble drinking game, uh, along with this pay-per-view at this point, we had some pretty notable stars in the ring, Edge, Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit. Uh, thank you for a lot not saying of, the hurricane a thank lot you. of finishers and a lot of eliminations happened really fast when edge and Rey mysterio got in the ring i yeah. did because i watched before he came i watched this the second time before we came over i did strongly consider doing the drinking game before i came over <laughs> and then i thought to myself i won't be able to get over there <laughs> shit ain't happening because i i thought about that real quick before we kind of move on in the match so going back to daniel pewter putter Whatever the fuck his name is. He got eliminated like 10 minutes ago. He was the first one eliminated. But this was the thing that I just noticed when looking at the looking at the Wikipedia here. Um, 
Hardcore Holly came in number four. Hardcore Holly was in that match for one reason and one reason only. Oh, yes. And that was to chop the fucking shit out of him. He was only in the match for two minutes. He was. That was it. As soon as Pewter was out, he got eliminated. <laughs> it was literally, that was a concerted effort by the backs, by the, by the producers, yeah. by Vince McMahon. To teach that motherfucker a yeah. lesson. And I guarantee you, the boys were back there popping like no one's business watching that shit yeah. on the monitors. Oh, yeah. If you don't count the 30 seconds where he cut a promo outside the ring once he got in there, he got his ass beat for four minutes and 10 seconds straight. He did. He took it. I'll give him credit. Oh, it was, it was, it was just, I just noticed that. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He did. His entire purpose was there just to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, that was so. it. We have uh, Muhammad Hassan, who had uh, fucking mega heat. Like no one's fucking business mega heat. Right, like, right. We're we're talking mega heat that was did not belong in two thousand five, unfortunately. They were treating him like he was the twenty second terrorist. He he listen, I remember it's funny, like Muhammad Hassan, I was a, a fan of the idea of him because he was a up a guy you could really fucking dislike and boo and really genuinely boo. Like JBL, you can boo this motherfucker, and I love that. UPN did not like it. And they were like, nah, son. Those London uh, bombings, the terrorist attack, once that was done, he was out. Yeah, it's no good. They pulled that fuck, and it's it not, sucks. It's not a good look. Because he was so good, and he was so over as a heel, and uh, it was fantastic. I don't fucking hated him. He, he could have had a run at a heavyweight he title. He was a good-looking guy, too. Like, he was he fucking was fit. ripped. Ironically, yeah. he's Italian. Yeah. Which, of course he is. I mean, Yokozuna wasn't exactly Japanese. No, not yeah. at all. Just but we at least sh- we're gonna shoehorn that. But he's at least he's Samoan. It's yeah, yeah. This I had the you know cultural appropriation of Muhammad Hassan coming. He's from like the, fucking New York. I think he's a teacher now. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> so, His entire career was fucking ruined yeah. because of that, and yeah. it could have been a, a money career for a few. They should have just yeah. let it. They should just let him go away and come back and just package him as a different character. Nobody yeah. would have remembered. Yeah, oh. he got into just the, take the headpiece off, and nobody's gonna give a shit. When he got in the ring. All the action stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and well, they just circled around him well, like was, a hate crime. And it was beat, kind of a hate crime. Beat the shit out of him and threw him out. He was well, in there for less than a minute. What was even funny about that is like even right before he came out, they drew the fucking line. The SmackDown guys were on one side of the yeah. ring. The Raw guys were on the other side of the ring. And they're like, clearly, there's nothing that's going to bring these wrestlers together until... Uh, and then, and then, of course, that uh, that ended that. Now, Jones, you, you mentioned Muhammad Hassan, but before we go ahead and talk about Muhammad Hassan, I want to bring up uh, Roman Reigns' uh, you know third cousin twice removed, Luther Reigns. Luther Reigns. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Acknowledge you're going to acknowledge him. Yeah, you got to. Well, yeah. uh, how many numbers we put up for Luther Reigns? Like four, four fingers. Four fingers. We're going to go ahead and do that. <laughs> Maybe five. Okay. Six. Just, just all thumbs. All thumbs for <laughs> Luther Reigns. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, and this was something that. I, I notice a lot with WWE now. It drives me fucking crazy. You've got Hardcore Holly. You've got Eddie Guerrero. You've got Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio, Shelton Benjamin, Booker T. These are names I believe. Kurt Angle. It's a fucking name, right? Not Kurt Anchor. No. It's Kurt Angle. Right. But every once in a while, the WWE clearly doesn't know how to fuck name somebody because these guys can't come up with a character name themselves or their name is just so just piss poor by wrestling standards. So they come up with Luther Reigns. They don't spell it R-A-I-N-S or anything. No, it's Reigns. Like he's going to reign 
in the WWE kingdom. Right. And you have um, Braun Brecker. Breaker. Breaker. Whatever. You get the idea. He's going to find you in spirit. That's fine. Braun Strowman. Like, they're clearly going back to, like, a fucking chat GPT program. <laughs> what is the corniest, shitty name we can come no, up with somebody? With two Ks, by the oh, way. Oh, I know. Yeah. He knows, too, because he's got to fucking write that on autographs all the time, and he forgets because it's an extra K. Who needs Does it? Does he forget? As long as it's not three Ks, If he spells okay. it wrong, are you going to question him on it? Well, I, no, because that dude is, like, four dudes standing next to each other, and he wears, like, the fucking wrestling thing, and, you know. Yeah, because he's a Steiner. I know. I get it. But I'm saying, <laughs> I get it, goddammit. <laughs> but like, the WWE has an issue when they're like bringing some of these guys in where they have these terrible fucking names. And it's clearly like some group of people back. It's like when you have the wrestler who comes out and he has the really shitty entrance music. It's clearly like the, the we're just going to give you this music because you need to have music. It's like they're going to give you this name because we're just going to give you this fucking name. And I, I hate when I see those names, because like, I don't buy it. None of these guys are, I'm not, I'm, you know, who's the fucking Bronson Reed? Same, same deal. Some really shitty. Bronson name. Reed. There's some really shitty It just, names. it sounds intimidating. Like this, I can hear Vince McMahon backstage. Like it just sounds intimidating. You're Bronson Reed. <laughs> like fuck you, man. Nobody buys that shit. <laughs> Nobody buys that you're that fucking character or anything else. Skip Sheffield. No, we're going to change your name to Casey fucking Ryback. We're just going to call you Ryback. I mean, fuck you guys, man. Come up with something better. You know, I, I like, I believe guys more when you just, when they are their, they are their names. Not these, like, computer generated, just token names they're putting on these guys. I fucking hate them. It sucks. Sorry. That's the pebble in my shoe. Because I love Braun Breaker. He's going to be a fucking champion. That guy's got all of it. He's got the athleticism. He's got the look. He's got the skill. You know, he he just has it. You look at that guy and you're like, you're going to put the title on that dude someday. Wasn't it they were saying that his clocked speed of running the ropes is like 22 miles an hour? It's insane. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's that's insanity. But he's got it. But he's gonna have to do this, overcoming his fucking name. I don't see that being his name, like his entire career. At some point, that shit's gonna change, because nobody just wants to be get the Braun Breaker T-shirts. I mean, you know, how fucking, do you change that name now? I don't know. It, he, it's it just, very established as it is, but you know, he's a fucking yeah. Steiner. So at some he point had a big in time, run in NXT. Yeah, he has a following. Yeah, but you give him that name because you want him to make a name for himself. Not off the name of his family. But at some point in time, when we go beyond the name and the character is established, he's going to go back to being, you know, if his first name's actually Braun. Then I don't be, think it is. No. no. But if it's like if it's like Rick Steiner or, or John Steiner or something, he'll just go and be fucking John Steiner and everybody will be fine with it. Was it Rock Steiner, their actual last names? Rick Ross Steiner? I think it's a weird, it's not Steiner. Yeah. Which it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. Steiner sounds way cooler than their actual last name. Yeah. But I'm just saying, he he will probably get to a point where he will go more on his own name once he's made it for himself and he doesn't need to rely on his name to get him there. I mean, I'm not saying I love the name Braun Breaker, but it fits him. <sighs> for now. For now. Perhaps for yeah. now. Um, yeah. So there's the pebble in your foot. We're going to 
knock that Glad one right out. out. Get out of my shoe, man. Um, Get that shit out of here. <laughs> uh, one of the, I, so at least every show we watch, I'm always kind of a, very attentive to the commentary. Because whether it's Bobby Heenan or Jim Ross or Jerry Lawler or Taz or somebody, Gorilla Monsoon, somebody says something that just pops the shit out of me. And I had to pause it and laugh because I'd never heard this shit before. And I, I, I laughed in an unnecessary amount because coming from Taz, it was funny. And just, I'm going to use this at some point in life. He was talking about the coach. He's like, last time I saw arms like that, they were hanging out of a nest. And I fucking lost my shit. It's not even that funny, but it's funny as shit because it's like, oh, little bird, little birdie arms. I got a kick out of that. Thank you, poor, Taz. Poor coach. <laughs> hanging out of a nest. Anyhow. Uh, yeah, Coachman was definitely, and he lasted for, Coachman lasted for 13 minutes and 48 seconds in that match. He hit in the corner. Yeah. For 13 minutes. Smartest in man in the match. <laughs> he just you, sat. If you go ahead and take the time of Ric Flair, Christian, Kane, um, let's see, Shawn Michaels, and add it together, they weren't in that match for combined 13 minutes. That was a hell of a thing for me. Like some of those guys, you know, um, you know, Benoit and Guerrero, but Benoit was in there for 48 minutes. Guerrero was in there for, you know, 29 minutes and everything. Um, Edge was in there for, you know, 40 minutes. And then, you know, Coach, 13 minutes. I mean, he's he's over, he was in there for longer than over half of that fucking match. Yeah. Coach. And that's something? Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely wrote in there at one point, how the fuck is Coach still in this? Um Fucking, oh God, and I forgot about this pay-per-view setup. Uh, one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time, Angle and HBK. Their yeah. match at WrestleMania 20 was so fucking spectacular. Yeah. There was actually possibly one of the most flawless matches I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. Uh, and this is the beginning of it. Uh, we got fucking John Cena, who's over like fucking Rover, big time. You know? What a pop he got when he when when, when Thugonomics hit, so, man. you think you're untouchable. Fucking crowd's like, yes, let's do it. Because uh, it's word life. They're all in. Ruck, rucking fools. Jesus Christ, yeah. Back in the old days when he wore shirts like that. Um, fucking, the, uh, Paul Lennon's elimination was suspect as fucking hell. That shit looked not good. <laughs> <laughs> At all. Oh, he, he, I, he, he was broken in half. Yeah, he was dead. God is my witness. Somehow he was he dead. He did not, he did not hit that well. He spun upside down in a way. Um, it's not natural. Like his, his neck is still spinning. From that, so I know we talked in the in the the gestation period of this show when we first started this all those years ago. Uh, we were sitting down trying to come up with uh, ideas. So we have like a laundry list of type uh, subjects and movies and games we haven't touched on yet. But one of them was wrestling theme songs, and we haven't touched that yet. We're still no. figuring out the logistics of that, and how we would make it actually interesting for everybody to listen to. But with that being said, I'm just gonna fucking tell you what my number one is. Uh, and it still is. I know. I know where you're going with it. Viscera. You know uh, this so well. Mark Jendrick. No, no. Uh, are we talking about okay, Renee Dupree? Okay, this will be good. Tell me what do you think it Renee is. Renee Dupree. Let's be like <laughs> a, real, a real guest. Ren, 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 Renee Dupree and, and Mark Jendrick actually had a moment in this match. And all I thought about was like, this is kind of reminds me when somebody from Abercrombie and Fitch got in like the face of somebody from American Eagle at the mall. And this is what happened. Fuck. 
Um, so, okay, you each get three guesses. Who My favorite all-time theme song of all time. And obviously, it's a big hint because the motherfucker's in this match, right? Right. Three guesses. What do you think it is? I, I, I'm pretty confident I know the answer. Well, give me the fucking answer. Christian. There you go. I know. That shit. It's good. Waterproof it's blonde. so fucking good, man. It was, it was. It was better than he deserved in a lot of ways. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I had forgot that his theme music was that. Before he came back, it was like the little story of the year version or whatever that was called, which is a fine version, but the OG, just close your eyes, because he came out with the hood down and the lights were down and had the spotlight on him. It was way more epic than Christian was. Yeah, yeah. But it was fantastic, He oversold though. that shit, for and sure. it was so good. And it, and it, it, it actually, it's beautiful how an entrance theme can make you resonate with a character that you don't normally give a shit about. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I didn't like Christian, but what was he really doing? He had that stupid um, At Last You're On Your Own song. I fucking hated that song. Uh, with his feud with uh, DDP, like I think the year before. Uh, but, but, just close your eyes and fucking, he'd come out and just like, it, 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 it made him look like a main eventer. And so I started looking at him as a main eventer. And there was that weird little period where they were starting to push that, him being in a main event spot. Giving him a shot. And then he went to team. And, yeah. <laughs> and he did Christian things. They did yeah. Christian Cage and did his thing. Yeah. We came back a bigger star, thankfully. But yeah, that shit, that fucking song, that is my number one. It always will be. Yeah. And it's just, it's just Solid. too, it's too fucking good. Wrestling music is just so fucking fantastic. When it, when it, when it fits. You know, I mean, like there again, it's one of those things where these all these different things have to come together for it to work. You could be a a good wrestler. You could be good on the mic. You have good look. You can have good athleticism, but you could have a shit theme song. And it hurts. And man. It hurts. It really it holds hurts. you back. It does. But then you could be an OK wrestler. Not bad on the mic. Pretty decent in ring ability and everything. But then that fucking song happens and it pushes you. I'm not going to sit there and say that CM Punk would or would not have accomplished CM Punk things, but that fucking theme song helps, man. When the call to personality hits, people... It's universal. It's universal. It is. Yeah. It, it It's a big thing. Stone Cold. You know, if the glass doesn't break, are you going to necessarily... Does Stone Cold... It, it all works. Right. You know, it's, it's a necessity for it. I agree. Um... If if the dead man doesn't have Kid Rock playing him in, well, all right. So maybe or Limp not. Biscuit. Maybe not. It was it Limp Biscuit. Yeah, Limp Biscuit too. Oh. It was a whole lot of people. Unfortunately, there was, was a lot of late nineties, early two thousands angst there. So let's talk about the final four. Right, we got Rey Mysterio Jr., Edge, Cena, and Batista. We're oh. talking like really four people who will be the future main events of the next several years, and and two of them were one of them, actually two of them. For a couple decades, three of them actually for a couple decades. Uh, it was it's really cool to see. We didn't know then, obviously, what we were witnessing, but looking back on it now, it's so cool to see where John Cena has gone from here. Yeah. Well, if you look at the final four, those four guys eliminated sixteen out of the thirty participants. It's impressive. Uh, Batiste also came in as like a, a house of fire. He just wrecked the shit out of everyone we got in there we talk about this ovw graduating class right i mean shelton benjamin john cena brock lesnar uh batista right there all graduated the same class in ovw a lot of those guys had very questionable tattoos yes and maybe it was just part of the thing 
It's possible. It's what they do. Yeah. It's so interesting how uh, this class of, of talent really changed the WWE as a whole. That's like oh, that's really did. arguably the yeah. greatest developmental class ever. Period. And I'm missing people on that. You're list. lucky if you get a couple guys out of that. We got like four or five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got literally like five Hall of Fame people. I yeah, mean, technically yeah, four because we don't count Brock anymore. Unfortunately. It was really the catalyst of, you know, where the direction that the WWE would go. And they carried it for how long, you know? You know who, who that was? You know who, 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 helped, who helped make that, that class happen? Jim fucking Ross. Because he was the head of talent relations. He courted all those motherfuckers. Good old JR. Are you kidding me? There, there's also, <laughs> I think there's also something to be said about, you know, of course, we, we often talk about how the Attitude Era worked because you had a bunch of guys that were coming up at the same time that were able to push each other. Um, you know, I don't know that you have a rock without Triple H. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because those guys were able to because there's a void. Michaels wasn't there anymore. Bret Hart left. A lot of the guys went to WCW. It's kind of similar here. You know, you had a situation, again, where there is a void. There are some guys holding it down, but they there was an opportunity for guys to be able to come in. And the fact that they were able to come up together gave them an opportunity, I think, to kind of push each other in certain ways that uh, elevated the whole group. Serious question. I, w- I don't have a number for this, but do you, can you imagine just these four here, Ray, Edge, Cena, Batista, how many times from that day forward they may have been at pay-per-views and, and, and Raws and SmackDowns? It's got to be a big Together number. and separately. It's crazy yeah, it's amount. a big number. That's a big number. Possibly, and that w- some research needs to be done on this. Possibly the greatest final four of all time. Actually, yeah. the most money final four ever, which is pretty pretty damn cool. Yeah. Um, and now look, uh, back in nineteen ninety three, ninety three, yeah, nineteen ninety three at the Royal Rumble, uh, Brett and Luger, two. Competent pros who've been wrestling for many, many years uh, could not pull it off on purpose. They were instructed to land simultaneously and could not fucking do it. (laughs) Um, If you stop and think about it, coordinating two people to somehow simultaneously, magically land on camera at the exact same time is actually a really difficult thing to do. But somehow, it's actually probably impossible, but somehow, by sheer effing accident... John Cena and Batista were able to pull that off. Well, it, it's interesting, too, how once we got to the Final Four, how quickly we got down to two. Yes. You know, a lot yeah. of times when you get to this point of the match, this resets the stage of the match. It's kind of a thing now, I think, in, especially with the Rumble, is that you wait to see who the Final Four is. The Final Four is a big deal, and then it almost resets the match. Yes. And then when you get down to the Final Two, it resets again. Yes. And it becomes an entirely different thing. It's one of the things I love about the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Because truth be told, and I'm, I'm going to say something that might be a little bit unpopular here. The Rumble in a lot of cases is a rather uninteresting match in terms of what's going on in the ring at any point in time. Because you got a bunch of wrestlers that are in there just trying to fill time. Yeah, they're not doing anything. There's not really doing a whole lot. Some guys are sitting down, <laughs> yeah. and they're getting kicked. Some guys are getting punched. A guy comes in with a house of fire. You know, they have their 20 seconds of fame. They get their finish in. Yeah. I, I love listening to Cody when he was talking about one of the first times he did the Rumble. And, you know, you talk with the guys backstage. So when you come in, what do you want to do? You know, let's let's go ahead and kind of set up your moment because when you come into the Rumble, that's your moment. The eyes are on you. You have an opportunity to do something. 
And he was talking about how just generous the Undertaker was because like he ended up doing some stuff and then like it was done and it was like 15 seconds. And he's like, what do I do now? Like Taker was there. So he goes and he hits Taker. Taker turns around and looks at him and this goes, you know, like, like you know, slam. He's like, Cody's like, holy shit. Taker wants me to like body slam him. So he, like he does it. And he's like, just kind of, he's like, that just kind of goes and shows like how generous Undertaker really was. Because he really didn't have to do no, that. No, he didn't have yeah, to do that, to but, do he that gave him, but he gave him that opportunity. You know, so these guys, because it went from four, Mysterio was the first one out, down to three, and then Edge goes out. And then you've got Drax the Destroyer against Peacemaker, Marvel versus DC, 15 years early. Right. And, you know, that spot, unbelievable. That's amazing, isn't it? It can't... And, and I, I kind of... Because when these things happen, the match does become very interesting. And I, I kind of feel like... And of course, how do, you, how do you in the moment think of this? You should have a contingency. But like I felt they really dropped the ball on this. Because with having the two of them hit simultaneously, I thought they had an opportunity to carry something out for like another six weeks before mania with those two you had a great built-in story based on sheer fucking accident of what kind of a story you could tell about well who was it was it cena was it batista did guys in the locker room have opinions on it you know how do you set up the you could set up the match the match of the next pay-per-view you know why they didn't do that i'll tell you exactly why they didn't do it. go for it because brett luger literally just done that not just, but that was that was Rust. That was Royal Rumble nineteen ninety three. Okay. Uh, Luger and Brett. The whole get thing was they were they were fighting each other. The final two in the Royal Rumble. Lex Luger, the uh, All American Express, Lex Luger, and Brett the Hitman Hart, and they eliminate each other. But it wasn't quite perfect. But we just go with it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, that was ninety three. You can't just do it again. Although, it's a good idea to, to just go with it. My question is, I will never know. And I've watched some interviews with people who were there. I wish I could have just been standing there when it happened to see the, the motherfuckery that Vince experienced when that happened. Because this isn't like Monday Night Raw. This isn't like some live event. This isn't a house show. This isn't even like Judgment Day or something like that. This isn't backlash this is the royal rumble the match that dictates the rest of the year and they done fucked it up harder than anybody possibly could yeah so so for those at home who don't know what we're talking about so batista's batista got... was supposed to win the match yes and the the final thing was he was supposed to flip cena over the ropes and hold on to the rope so that only cena went over didn't he have like uh, didn't Batista had like seen like almost like up on his shoulders right when he got him over to the road? he had him like in a power bomb position yeah. and like they and uh, I'd seen a, in in an interview said it was totally his fault because he said he is I think his exact words I'm paraphrasing actually now it's I've never been really good with like backwards rotations so he just botched it and took Batista with yeah. him yeah. so they both went out and literally hit the ground at the same exact time you, it the couldn't exact be more perfect same time like you got. It's like, how do you even do that? It's impossible. Apparently, it's very possible. Yeah. Well, no, I by mean, accident. Well think, well, think about this. I mean, how many Royal Rumble matches were there at that point in time? This was eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Uh, eighteen times thirty. So, pull up the good old calculator here. Great riveting uh, podcast stuff here, right? Yeah. Eighteen times thirty. Five hundred and forty people have been eliminated in a Royal Rumble match minus eighteen. 
So 522. 1 divided by 522. 0.001% of a chance of this happening. But apparently it can happen. I don't yeah. know what the odds are, like, similarly to something like that happening. But, like, that's borderline impossible. Yeah. So the, the interesting thing is, at the time, we didn't know that wasn't supposed to happen. Right? Right. I thought that was just... And so... Know. The refs were just beside themselves, so the refs started arguing. I thought the refs did a great job at that point. They sold the shit out of they it. They really uh, fucking because uh, there were here. two SmackDown refs, two Raw refs. Let's let's okay. The, the refs did a good job, but let's be real. This, what, what happened was Vince and, and Bruce Pritchard. I don't know if Bruce Pritchard was there then, but uh, Vince was in the back telling them what to fucking do. Yeah, he had them all on the fucking therapist. Like you go and you start raising arms. God damn it! He's gonna. He's, that's what he was doing. Well, I heard it, Teddy and. Bischoff were supposed to go down, but he couldn't find them. I'm the sure back. he was happy about that too. <laughs> so he's like, "Fuck it, I'll just do it myself." And he came stomping down. Storming. He just did not. Um, he 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 stomped. And this is where I'm like at a weird point right here in this show, in this fucking episode, because for almost ten years, this moment in time has been hilarious to me, and it's still funny. Uh, and and folks, the it's Vince McMahon, the the chairman of the company. I feel like he's a billionaire at this point. Yes. He may not be, but he might be. He goes sliding into the ring the same way he had done probably thousands of times by this point, thousands of times, and somehow, just as miraculously as Batista and John Cena have landed simultaneously, it was a point zero 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 one percent chance of that happening. Yep. Somehow, Vince McMahon found a way to slide in at such a speed and angle that he fucking ripped both quads off the bone. How do I don't you... know how you even do that. So, Well, what... I had heard that sliding into the ring was when he tore the first one. And then trying to stand up. And then when he tried to stand up, he tore the other one. <laughs> Which is why he just crumbled on the ground and just sat there like a fucking toddler. Oh, hands try, on hips. Trying to bark orders and everyone's like... While this is happening, Cena and Batista just keep throwing each other out. Oh my can, god! Yes. Can you imagine? Edge Edge has a good story. I love listening to wrestler stories on on YouTube and shit. Edge has a great story because of his perspective on that. As the last guy out at that point, he's on his way up, and Vince is coming down. And I think he watched the rest of it happen like backstage, and. He's like, the, the rage that that man had about what happened, <laughs> just him coming down. Can you imagine? First off, you're, you're Batista and John Cena. You're John Cena and you know you fucked up. Yep. And then all of a sudden, you don't know why Vince is sitting there. You don't know why he can't get up. Vince isn't screaming in pain or anything. He knows he didn't the shit of it. He has, he has a look on his face, almost like a kid who's sitting on the couch and his parents come home. And they ate all the cookies in the cookie jar, and they know they weren't supposed to, and they're waiting to get in trouble. Like, that's the kind of look Vince had on his face a little bit, because, you know, he knew that something really fucking bad happened. I show pain when I get a fucking splinter in my <laughs> finger. Um, or, you know, um, a post-season two, pre-season three rash, circling back to the beginning. Um, but... <laughs> almost uh, forgot about that i know i just had thanks to make for sure bringing you, it back I'd make sure you remembered it yeah i hope it gets um, better for next week we all do we all do um but 
the fu- the rage that those guys must have been feeling now that Vince not only had to come down there, <laughs> he had to come downstairs and tell the kids what's what, but he tore both his quads as a result of that. I don't know how like John Cena didn't get fucking fired. Because he was money. I know. And but, it, but like it's amazing to me that that, that what those guys had been feeling after they found out, like, oh my fucking god. Like not oops. only did we fuck up the finish of this, but he but the boss tore both his quads at the same time. You, you gotta be a certain kind of psychotic person, which we will end up finding out is very accurate. Uh, to in hindsight have an injury yeah. like that twice within seconds of each other and then totally no sell any of it nothing nothing he didn't wince and painted he didn't look his face was red no little, little tear in the corner nothing of the eye. i wouldn't judge nothing. for the tear in the eye fuck nothing I, I don't know what that feels like i don't ever want to know what that feels like i'm i daily at my job i'm around people in horrible fucking agony i don't want to know what that pain's like and I don't want to know what it's like to rip both quads off the bone. Back to back. That has got to be an anguish. Anguish is a good word for yes. this. That's got to be an anguish uh, reserved for only the shittiest of people. Um, Karma's or, a hell of a thing. Originally, all I was going to say about this was like, you know, it's a hell of a thing, Vince McMahon. But now as I'm sitting here in front of you, fuck that. Fuck him folks for what he did because i can't enjoy this moment anymore the way i did and more importantly i can't enjoy fucking like 80 percent of what i've watched because now i know i read that it's all tainted that new york times fucking uh article i've read the shit that he was doing literally that he was doing Mm. uh and I can't look at the feud he had with Austin in the same way anymore. It's not the fucking same. And I'm so angry at him for doing that. And this isn't like separating the artist from the art. No, 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 no. This dude's an evil guy. This isn't, yeah, this isn't a, you know, somebody did something 20 years ago. And like, because society today is a little bit different, you look back on it and it's like, well, we're going to judge you by today's standards on something that the standards weren't the same 20 years ago. And it's kind of like a cancel culture thing. No. This, this isn't that. This is a, a man who preyed on people in a serialistic nature um, that caused God only knows how, many, how much fucking harm to people. Um, and, and that man had a family. He had a wife. He had kids. I mean, you know, the, he had his grandkids. The rumor was always that he'd been running behind Linda's back, and, and it was kind of like a thing that people knew about, but she'd forgiven him. It was like a whole thing. There was the, the story of the, the only WWF uh, referee back in the fucking 80s. Apparently, he raped her, and like that was settled years later. But no one knows exactly what happened with that. Ladies, read us something or other. Supposedly, he forced himself on her. And it was this thing that like you knew about, but you didn't know the ins and outs of it. But you know now, yeah, now I feel real now fucking all, confident that yeah. did happen. Mm-hmm. Now everything's uh, out. That shit about uh, Ashley Mazzaro and her killing herself yeah. and her being assaulted by soldiers overseas. Uh, and the WWE covering it up and Vince knew about it. And Vince was like coming on to her. There was this whole fucking thing that's coming out with him. This shit... With, with Vince being removed from the WWE, for him stepping down, rather. And uh, for those of you, I feel like most of you, or if you listen to this episode, you know at this point about what's going on with Vince McMahon and the accusations about the sex trafficking, the sexual assault, uh, the misappropriation of 
corporate funds um, amongst other uh, allegations. It ain't it ain't over. Uh, that's just we're just scratching the we're, surface. This, this iceberg. Yeah. We're we're still starting to see how big and how deep well, this goes. Because who knew what? And and I think you know, I don't know if it's us that have had those conversation or, or mentioned this. You know, off the air, or if I've had this with other individuals, I can't even quite remember. This stuff that came out recently were actions that this man was doing in his 70s. Yes. yes. So you don't just start you, yeah, you doing don't start this that in your 70s. In you don't start this late in life. You start this early in life. So there could be 50 years and God only knows how many countless people, how many how many talent. Oh, there was um, definitely talent. Backstage involved. people, um anything that this man preyed on. And it's 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 absolutely grotesque. It's disgusting. It's, it's He's an awful. evil fucking person. He is. And I and I and I'm I fucking hate this motherfucker for ruining such a ch- I can't even quote like I, like that's gonna be I can't even do that. It's not the same anymore. Nothing that he's touched now. It's always gonna be like it's all tainted ah, now. Fuck yeah. You know, and so I you know, and I know you know the people listen to the show probably listen to this because we talk about things uh, that remove you from society and, and 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 you can think about old times. But I feel like this is a very few times we'd be we're, we're serious, but it's a very serious situation. Uh, that's affecting our uh, fandom, whether it's waning or in its prime, doesn't matter, but it's a very real thing. And I hope that uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon is persecuted by the fullest extent of the law. I hope he goes to fucking prison. He won't, but I hope he goes to fucking prison uh, and is dealt with accordingly there too. Whatever you whatever you take from that is how you, what you take from that. But yeah. I, I feel like for a man who's never told no, he's going to learn the word no but in a different way. Yeah. It's not going to be pleasant for him. And, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of sheds more light too at the time that he was removed the first time when the allegations came out and when he came back, why Stephanie left. Oh yeah. I mean, and then came back and then left again when he came back in. That's the point because I mean, as a woman, people that you worked with, people that, you know, you shared car rides with, you shared meals with, you know, your father, did some terrible things to some of those people. Maybe did some terrible things to most of those people. You maybe knew about it. Maybe you didn't know about it. Maybe you didn't know quite the extent. Maybe you didn't know what was consensual, what maybe wasn't consensual, what was kind of borderline. You, you, you know, you hear things, I'm sure, and you hear things in the locker room. I'm sure what she would have been told or not told was completely different because it's her fucking dad. Right. Um, and then when you start to kind of realize the truth of that investigation, how do you... I mean, she couldn't have a relationship with her father. You can't look at your family. The and same I think way. I heard some stuff with Shane too. Is that as he was finding out some of these things, that's I, was that part of the reason why he stepped aside. Well, that's people are guessing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it just it sucks. And I and I encourage anybody who's listened to this in a timely fashion to do some research on this subject because it's really fascinating. And it's like you know, you know, no, these people, these human beings, these actors, and these artists that we watch and that we create these parasocial relationships with that we feel like we know them we don't know them and they are capable of awful things uh just as much as they're capable of amazing things it's really unfortunate that a human being that has facilitated so many great memories for everybody at this table because if there is no vince mcmahon there is no hulkamania there is no people's champ there is no texas rattlesnake there is none of that if it weren't for him and the machine behind him that he created 
we'd have none of this. And there's a chance we may not even be sitting here having this conversation, period. Right. Like, real talk? If it weren't for Vince, it's weird to say it like that. I don't know. I would have never... I would. I mean, I would have met you guys eventually, obviously. I would have met you, Dave, and I would have met Jeff eventually, but I wouldn't have met Noah. Guarantee you that. Uh, that was never going to happen. Well, no, because we worked with Noah. Yeah, it doesn't Toys mean you and I were going to be friends. Oh, I understand that, but you know, there there could have been a potential of a you know crossover, maybe at a Whitfield party, maybe you know, I think potentially. Maybe. Yeah, but um, wrestling was the connection. wrestling was the thing. Man. It was it was a commonality that we all had so that we could originally initially start talking about. Yeah, yeah. So like it's and it just it sucks and it, and it's unfortunate that this is the reality we live in. Uh, but like I said, not to be overly dramatic, but. I hope that he gets everything that's coming to him uh, within the constraints of the law. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, this is a very enjoyable Royal Rumble. <laughs> it, it set the stage for the rest of like the next 20 years. Or 23 years, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, look at just these two guys in the main event would go on to headline WrestleMania. Yeah. And they would both be champions. And... First of 16 for John Cena. Both are guaranteed Hall of Famers. Yeah. Both are massive movie stars. They're, they're cross. You know, they, they crossed into other areas of pop culture. I mean, Batista as Drax has is created a phenomenal character that people love. Um, he's able to do other things in, in acting. John Cena, again. John Cena is one of the most recognizable people anywhere. Yes. yes. So it was a very special Royal Rumble. Um, people like to say that, oh, Rumble 92 was like the greatest. And it was an excellent Royal Rumble. It was very star-studded, but I there was no other Royal Rumble that I can think of that had, like, this cast of characters at this stage in their careers. Like, I mean, not even just yeah. Batista, but, like, Orton and Edge and all these guys. Ray, it was, a, Ray was, it was a, a later. It we, was a launching point. We didn't even talk about Chris Jericho. Well... Chris That's Jericho was in the Royal Rumble as well. Chris Jericho. Yeah. Uh, I don't have enough. I don't know where his wife was. Spit my my venom about him these days. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Chris Jericho as well. You know, like there's a lot of first ballot Hall of Fame uh, pro- professional wrestlers who, you know, some were just in their strides, some were just starting to get into it. You know, look what Rey Mysterio was doing a year later, exactly a year later, winning the Rumble. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you amazing. were there. I was there when he did that shit, and I did not bet on that. I should have. Um, but yeah, it was a great Royal Rumble. Um, definitely my my top in my top five Rumbles ever, uh, and I'm I'm really glad that we had a chance to talk about it. Yeah, agreed. And when yeah. we were when we were planning like what we were going to talk about, we knew it was Rumble season, so I was like, man, we should really do 2005 Rumble. And Jones was like, I was just going to say that. I was exactly the Rumble that we need like, to do. It's not necessarily like a 20 year anniversary, but it's close yeah, enough. Yeah. Uh, it's an important one. Yeah, it was, it was good. And just star-studded, beginning to, literally beginning to end, star-studded. Uh, except for, like, Heidenreich and... the fuck was that guy's name again? Snitsky? Snitsky. Snitsky, yeah. 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 Um, but, the question is, so we're season three, we got the, the season premiere in the rearview mirror now, it's in the can, what are we doing next? Well, Pop Quiz Hot Shot... What's well, I mean, when you hear that, what do you think about? There's a bomb on the bus. Oh, I, oh speed. 
Speed. That's what I. That first thing I don't, went right over my head. I'm not even. I'm not even joking. I, <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought you were doing a bit. I like. thought you were doing a bit too. I'm like he's gonna. He's gonna like turn around on this a little. I don't bit. know why I don't remember that. I mean, I'm, I know what you're talking about, but I don't associate that at all with the movie. Really? Yeah. That's to me. That's uh, what a lot of people. If you say pop quiz hotshot, that's I, what they think what, of. That's, yeah, hundred percent. Oh wow! That's the catchphrase of Dennis Hopper. I. You know what I? I associate with speed is a. What do you do? That's what I associate with it. Well, that's the back end of that. Yeah, it's the same but conversation. You, gotta, you, gotta, you don't you don't start with well, what do you do? You got to start with the pop quiz hot shot. Well, that's what I. Wow, I guess. Wow. So, anyways, wow. Uh, we are. This is the thirtieth. <laughs> Learn the a fucking Thirtieth anniversary of the movie Speed, where Keanu Reeves really fucking took off yes. as as a blockbuster movie star. So, uh, we're excited to review that on our next episode. We got. A couple other ideas in the hopper but we're excited to be back we're excited to get back to you know regular scheduled programming here filling your ear holes with some sweet sexy podcast content and whatever's going on with my rash yeah yeah, yeah. we we hope that clears up oh, we all do we get to talk about speed we get to talk about uh what our next plans are um and i get to talk to you guys about the greatest cinematic universe ever created the BBCU next week on Nothing Good. <laughs>